Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 146B of Tales with TR, now available on YouTube. Just follow THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network, and you can find my podcast along with many others under that umbrella. We've got six or seven down, and feedback's been going pretty well, and I do promise a new studio soon. I realize that's a little unprofessional. Now that I'm on YouTube and we're getting some traction, so thanks for that. As always on my B episodes, let's get right into it, folks. I'm excited. My next guest was born in Brampton, Ontario, and studied at Northern Michigan University before playing in over 700 NHL games in two big-time city teams, being the New York Rangers and the Los Angeles Kings. After hockey, This renaissance man spent time as a color commentator, motivational speaker, sports agent, and even competed in Survivor in 2019 as the first Canadian contestant ever. These days, he's still busy, as busy as ever, but as added podcaster to his ever-growing list of accomplishments. He is an awesome agent, a respected ranger, a pretty good podcaster, a deadly defenseman, a calm king, a smart survivor. He played in the show... And he had a great flow. He laughs at danger and played for the Rangers. He played for the Kings and likes pretty things. He wore number two and is likely stronger than you. He dresses real fine and has a nice jawline. He cuts with a knife and practices true grit life. Tomorrow he'll say happy Patty's Day. He was a rock star with the ladies when he played in the 80s. Folks, when people cut wood, they often use a blade saw. And please welcome to my show, the legend, Tom Laidlaw. How you doing, Tom? <laughs> I'm great after that introduction. That was excellent. Thank you, Tough to get something to rhyme with uh, Laidlaw. Yeah, and that's good. I, kind of, uh, blade saw uh, I have one thing. complaint, though. One complaint. So why am I episode B? Like, why wouldn't I be episode A? Great. That's a good question. Right. And I could see how it would make one wonder. But uh, what I do every week... I guess about a year ago, a little bit more. I had no rhyme or reason to the show. I just started doing it more in the pandemic, just kind of talking into the microphone than anything and an excuse to get some buddies on. Got some sponsors on board. The Hockey Podcast Network uh, started producing my podcast and doing a good job of it. So I figured I'd have a format, Tom, and I figured I talk a lot. And what would often happen 
is that my intros to the shows would go like two hours. So <laughs> I do one myself oh. on early in the week, usually Tuesday or Wednesday, being 146A, which has already happened. Nice. And B, I get right into it with my guest. Otherwise, I oh. just ramble forever. Yes, you can I, talk. I didn't realize you came on our podcast, Full Change. Uh, you talked. Uh, I didn't realize that. I guess because I really did. I was with IM, I, I, excuse me, IMG when we represented you, but it was more Mike Barnett that was dealing with you. So I really didn't get a chance to know you as well. Uh, actually, I said that on the podcast too. I, see, I didn't realize you had a personality like that. That's well, good. yeah, I suppose so. We didn't, though. I mean, every time I saw you, you were in and out. I remember you being a real yeah. nice guy. For those that don't know, Tom worked with IMG. And when I, I, you know, I often talk about my past on here, obviously, and the hockey journey I've been on. And people know Mike Barnett, Wayne Gretzky's agent, was my agent. I mean, it was overwhelming as a 14 year old, and we went on this journey. But I, I also. Uh, told you guys, Damon Lankow and Brian Boucher were two first rounders out of Tri Cities, and we went through all that together. Well, Tom represented Brian. Am I right? Brian Boucher, uh, Brian Berard as well. Yeah, Brian Berard, who yeah. I fought at the All Star yeah, Game, or right. dad sat together. Yeah. Um, were you? I don't know if you had Surrey for a little bit. I can't really remember. Yes, but I, I did. Re- yeah, you yeah. did. You were in and out of Tri Cities a lot. I remember yeah. seeing you a lot in my junior career. But like yeah. you said, in and out, and there's a lot going on, and so. Yeah. Uh, very it's cool. nice to catch up again. How you doing? Yeah, excellent. You've really done well, I'll tell you. I uh, I've been following your your career more on. Uh, I didn't realize how your career ended hockey wise, but I've been gr- following your career on TV. Now you're quite the. You've yeah, done well. A lot of people didn't. I didn't. I, I, that if there was one thing I was sour with with the, the way my hockey ended, it, I think people just thought I I gave it up. I, but I had I had a bad yeah. ankle. Yeah. And I really took to it. It was it was hard. Even you know Tom, when the boot even now like the other day. When I do up my hockey boot, it, it was like a shooting pain, like a nerve kind of pain. You know that kind of thing that you can't sure. play through. Yep. That that was the thing. So, and you know what? Like for me, it was my back too, and and those kinds of things are bad mentally too because you're a very yeah. tough guy. You played all the time. I played through pain. We all did, right? So yeah. all of a sudden now you you can't play, and people are looking at you like, "What's wrong with you? Did you just quit or what?" You know, it's almost better if you had a broken leg and had a cast on it. I've said yeah. it many times. You're yeah. right, and there's something to it. Speaking of pain, I was talking with Brant Myers about there's there's something like a hockey player. To me, I'm not. I'm not addicted. Is not the word, but sometimes a little bit of pain, I'd almost yeah. thrive. Yeah, yeah. What totally. is that? I don't know. You know what it is. Uh, somebody talked about being a high pain threshold. I think it was more that we were just so used to getting hurt all the time. We knew it was going to heal, right? So yeah. we didn't make as big a deal. But it's almost like, yeah, that's if you're a hockey player, you have to be hurt. Like you play hurt, especially in the playoffs, right? That's yeah. That's yeah. It's it's yeah. and as a player, you often know. Um, or you can identify. I heard now again. I'm not one of these people that thinks only hockey players can comment on hockey. I think yeah. there's lots of great ones out there, starting with Bob McKenzie, one of my favorite sports people of all sure. time. Sure. I don't believe he played, so I'm not saying that. But I was hearing. I won't say who, but I was listening, and there was a show, and they were talking about Ryan O'Reilly getting drafted to Tr- or getting traded to Toronto. Now that's good, and I, I agree it's a good thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sure. And um, you know how you get older and the body ages, but he he what. I know that happens, and you do. Like age is going to slow you down yeah. w- without any outside uh, interaction whatsoever. But like, and then a player got on and started explaining it, and I could identify because yeah. every little injury you carry with you, like yeah. even from a fight in junior, and then your hand, or 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 you separate a shoulder, that doesn't ever really go away, right? right? If you right. tear your MCL, it's never gone. Yeah. It'll be arthritic or something. So by the time you're 30 and you play that kind of a game. It's not just the body getting older. It's all the wear and yeah. tear. 
Totally. Yeah. And you know, when you're younger too, it's like, um, like I said, it's that badge of honor to play with yeah. pain. Uh, and me said to me one time that once you start getting hurt, then now you get more and more injuries all the time. And you're t- kind of touching on that too. So my first four years in the league, I didn't miss a game because of injury. I missed two games because Herb Brooks wanted to sit me out at the end of the year. Otherwise I would have played every game. Really? But then in my fifth year, I ruptured my spleen and, uh, I looking back at it too, I just, I didn't want to change. Like part of what made me as a player was that stubbornness that I was just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And then once I started, I ruptured my spleen. I came back and started hurting my back. And uh, I had a great assistant coach out in Los Angeles, Rick Wilson. Great guy. He'd hurt his back as well. Played for Montreal. Um, and he would always skate around with me at practice before practice saying, Tom, you've got to change your ways. You've got to do different exercises. Said, nope, not doing it. This is the way I made it to the NHL. So like it's... Part of me wishes I had a change, but then that's who I was. Like I was a guy that would not change. That's how I became a player because I really yeah. wasn't that talented. So, but you know, like now we've touched on this before. Like my training now, I do core exercises. My back doesn't bother me a bit. So if I'd done that stuff when I was still playing, do the workouts I'm doing now, then I'd still be. I, yeah, still I mean, I'm there. looking at your Insta feed, and I've been intrigued, especially since Survivor. You've never really gone out of my. Uh, my periphery i've yeah. known it's all whether it's you know you, you were commentating here and there uh, hockey's such a small world that you yeah. come across people yeah. there could be 10 20 30 years and it doesn't really matter you know you run into these people especially now do the alumni tour yeah. i did a tour across newfoundland a few weeks ago with ron duguay oh and i realize yeah i'm like you know what you know what like you, you you must have played with him. Yeah, I forget. I think he told me he gave you a bit of, of advice in his first year. <laughs> or your first. He, he was classic. He's a funny guy. You know, he's got that playboy reputation and everything. We played together in LA and New York, so New York was first. And you know, you know, as the older guys are always giving you advice. You know, especially back yeah. those days, helping the young kids. in. Carol Vadney was fantastic to me, but Dukes really wasn't much of a talker. He was a great guy, great teammate, and everything. He just didn't talk a lot, and so. You know, I like kind of an awe. Like you'd, you'd be on the bench with him early, and, and you start smelling coconuts. And he had this conditioner and his curly hair, and he started sweating. It's like, what the heck is that? So he was that kind of guy. But we sat down on the bus, and he was right behind me, taps me on the shoulder. He says, "Tommy, now I'm thinking this is a big moment. Ron Doogie is going to give me some advice. You know, like he's going to does he want to go for a beer with me, whatever it is." He goes, uh, "Tommy." Sleep's overrated. You only need two hours of sleep every night, he says. <laughs> it was classic. So I've told that story. We go to events. I get up, I'm like the MC a lot, you know, and I, I elaborate a little bit more. Like the lights are coming on, like this major moment. And uh, he's, he's a fun guy. though. He's, it's funny. I think people perceive him because he was such that playboy, you know, at Studio yeah. 54 and say that he wasn't a good teammate, but he was. He was a fantastic teammate. Uh, it was, it's just he, his thing. We all had things to do, like same as you, right? Yeah. But his thing was just in, you know, he's on page six in the New York Post all the time. So it was just people would see it and assume that he was this different guy than everybody else. But he wasn't. He was a good guy. Yeah, totally. That's the impression I got. I don't, I don't know what I expected. I I didn't expect – I expected closer to being out of touch with yeah. my world than yeah. – that. I, I, I know that much. I don't know if yeah. I expected asshole or cocky. Right. But it was something different than – I drove across with him and Darren Langdon across Newfoundland. Oh. And w- what a great guy. He told yeah, me some yeah. awesome stories. Yeah. I was I – was, um, yeah, I, I – I, I was a fan, you know. I mean, I'm growing up in the 80s, and Ron yeah. Duguay was impossible to miss. Yeah, right? totally. Oh. Before you knew anything about stats. We, we, uh, I, uh, my first year in the league, I roomed with a guy named Chris Katsopoulos. Yeah, played, yeah, played, yeah. Played a few teams. So we would go in the city, and we'd go around all the girls and say, listen, Ron Duguay's coming back to our place later. We're going to have a party. <laughs> so, so about 20 girls would show up. 
<laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> oh, it was fine. We come in and practice the next day. They say, Dukes, thanks very much last night. That was fun. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah, I went back um, after I met him. And I, I mean, I knew he's Ron Duguay. And it's funny, his last game, I played against him. I was playing in the. Oh. In Orlando. Oh, that's right. Yeah. In the Atlantic Coast League. And he came back to play with Jacksonville. He was in his 50s, right. man. And in yeah. the, uh, or I guess high 40s. And um, he was all right. And I wanted to I wanted to go over and speak to him. And they let him play without any helmet. It was, uh, you know, grandfathered yeah. in or whatever. It was awesome. He had the flow going. Right. And I didn't get a chance to. So that was great. Now, it's kind of, I was going to ask you about that at some point. So New York and LA and you're coming like Northern Michigan. Like, were you yeah. a star growing up and expected all this or no. because it's not like you went to the minors for a long time. You went for one game. Yeah. So you go right to the big apple and I, you guys made a playoff run that year. Your life yeah. must've been completely 180 in, in a year. Was it not? Yeah. So I, to, to your point, I was not a, a star player when I grew up. The first time I started playing, I couldn't stand up and skates. Literally, that wow. was terrible. Yeah. But I, I wrote a letter. It's funny. I wrote a letter the first day back at school. I think it was like six or seven years old. It said that I was going to play in the National Hockey League. And my parents must have been thinking like, damn, you can't skate. I mean, it's just not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was fortunate because I grew up in that farm mentality where my father and grandfather, we had a dairy farm. And they had to show up every day and milk cows. Mm. And that's really, I look back at my life now. I'm in the process of writing a book. Uh, you've written a book already, haven't you? Yeah, I got two. Two done, that's right. Um, but it's really made me look back at my life and realize, okay, every success that I've had in my life has been the same way. It's just showing up every day and doing my job. So that's how I kept going up. So I was never the best player, but the coaches always knew at the next level, okay, that's Tom Laidlaw's reputation, and he'll show up and do his job. So we'll pick him to be on the team. Maybe he's our third best defenseman, fourth best defenseman, but they, I would always get picked for teams like that. So the same thing happened right up into college. Um, so I wasn't a very good student, goofing around too much. You know, but I loved hockey and I, that dream still stayed there. And that was one of the best things that my parents uh, did for me was never take away that dream. Like they just took me to the rink. They didn't interfere. Tom, if you want to make it to the NHL, that's up to you. You go do it. Yeah. And, like uh, real, so, like yeah. hands, hands off. Like here yeah. we go. Totally. And before I go any further, why not the OHL or was it your only opportunity? I was, no, I was drafted by the Peterborough Peets. Uh, Roger Nielsen was actually coaching the team at the time. Okay. So I went to training camp, uh, and I was that little farm boy. I just, you know, I was like, what, 16 years old. And I probably was good enough to make the team probably close. I think I was 16 or 17. But I, I seriously, I was a little farm boy. And I just, uh, it was more of a social thing about being away from home. I know you told your story about moving across the country when you were that age or younger. And I just that was the hardest part was the move. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like getting out of that comfort zone. And I've learned a lot more now. I do this motivational speaking. So I learned a lot more about the subconscious mind and the comfort zone and all those things. And you know, if, I, if, I, if you wish you knew those things back then when you're doing it. But so I, I went to training camp, uh, Peterborough, didn't make the team, went back, played another year, junior B. And then uh, our college coach, Rick Comley, came and recruited uh, like four of us from our junior team, our junior B team, the Brown ah. Blues. Yeah. And it was the first year they're going to have a hockey program up there. So I loved it. I was going up there with my buddies, uh, full yeah. scholarships. So my parents were happy. So it was, uh, you know, I look back and just, I'm sure you're the same way. A, a lot of things have to fall into place. I mean, uh, especially if you're not as talented as me, like, you know, going up there in Northern Michigan, no upperclassmen my first year. So I get to play all the time. I was actually a four-year captain. So Did that uh, factor into your decision? Uh, yes, I, I probably wasn't totally aware of it as much. I knew I was going to play all the time. I didn't understand like the, the opportunity mm -hmm. of four-year captain and everything. But, but really, yeah, that leadership part of my game really became a big part of my game, and I needed those four years at college for to really grow that way. So yeah, it was it was huge. Uh, I remember my senior year, uh, we were we had a decent team, you know, and I'd, I'd been a good captain, you know, you know, in the locker room, leading, working hard, and all that. But I really hadn't. I don't think I'd matured enough to get up in front of the team and make that you know really passionate speech. 
And uh, we're playing probably in our fourth or fifth game. And we're, we're, we were playing at uh, Lake Superior, I think it was. And we're kind of middling around, like 500, kind of decent team. And I just, I was so motivated. Like, I wanted to play in the NHL. I knew we had to be a good team for me to have a better chance to play in the NHL. So I stood up in the locker room. It was the first time I did it. And really, like, that really passionate speech. Like, let's not leave it here. You know, let's not look back 20 years from now thinking that, geez, we wish we had done more. Those kinds of things. I remember that I was, I was talking. I was like, oh, crap. Like, this is. So that different. one speech stands out to you. Yeah, it does. It was like a really a turning point for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally was. And it was, uh, it was funny because we had made the speech and the guys are all fired up. We got some guys, the seniors were in tears and everything. And we go out there and I think we were losing like seven, five and they go out and score on us right away. Made, <laughs> made it eight, five. We ultimately <laughs> came back and won the game. And then we uh, won like 20 games in a row. Now, again, it wasn't all because of the speech. I hope I played a role in it, but it, we had a, we had a good bunch of guys. We just, we just weren't getting everything out of the game that we should have. Yeah. And I learned, I mean, learned that, a lot from that. That, good. sorry to cut you off. That, that sounds like a moment that transcend that that's, for lack of a better way to put it, like a, 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 you're a boy, you, you grow into a man. There are certain yeah. things that, you know, that hockey was just a the vehicle there. You remember that because you, you grew up a bit that day then. Oh, totally. hundred percent. Yeah. I was that, I was always driven and motivated, but I was, I was wild. Like I just would do crazy things. Like I look back at some of the crazy things I did and I was like, what was I thinking? But I, I actually, like people say, do you regret anything? And I really don't regret those crazy things because Every time I did something and it turned when out When you say wrong, crazy things, do yeah. you mean jumping off a skydive, bungee jumping? Do you mean, you know? No, I mean, I mean after the last game of the season, going up in the stands and grabbing the guy that did the radio work uh, with a suit on and put him in the shower in our locker room. Ah, yeah. Like, yeah, okay. like why? Like there's no point to it whatsoever. You, the you know. Legit crazy things. Oh, yeah. Totally, that's yeah. a legit crazy thing. Okay. Yeah, and I, I would do things like that thinking to myself, like thinking back about it, like, yeah, this is a good idea. Like this is a really good idea. <laughs> and I look back now. But the reason... You know, people say about learning from things. Um, like I, I, I went and tried out for the Canadian Olympic team after my junior year, the 80 Olympic team. And while we were there, we were staying in these construction trailers out in the parking lot. And they didn't have money for hotels and all that. So I went out with a, a couple of guys, like first or second night of training camp, and uh, we had a few cocktails. And got back uh, to the, about like two or three in the morning, and we decided to take the furniture out of the TV room in the trailer and put it on top of the trainer's car out in the parking lot. Yeah. That's so the other two guys, you know, th and thinking this is funny, you know, this is good stuff. I, I think it's really it. funny. Yeah. <laughs> so that the other two guys, just, they go to bed. Now I, I think to myself, this is me. I'm going to wake up the trainer. I'm going to tell him that we did this. This, this would be funny. So, I, so I, I wake him up, show him what we did and go back to bed, get up in the morning. Father Bauer was running. I don't know if they called it hockey Canada back then, but father Bauer was an actual priest. Well-respected guy. Great guy. There's an arena in Toronto, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, he comes walking over to me. We're all ready to go over to, to the rink to go for practice. And he comes walking over to me. Now, I, in my mind, think he's going to give me a big hug. Like, Tommy, that was really funny last night. You know, it's a good bonding thing to do. Great job. He walks over to me and hands me a, a plane ticket home. Sent me home. Cut me wow. 50. Yeah. He did exactly what he needed to do. I gave him what he needed. That was, this is how we are not going to do things. So the rest of the guys could see it. he did it right in front of everybody else. And, uh, I couldn't have been any more wrong in your assumption. Oh, cool. Yep. I've been yeah. there though. I know it. So you're, and your crazy things, were they, when you say crazy things, and that might still not be the right word, but were they like for, for laughs? Was a class clown like, because that often, there's a fine line between being loose and keeping the yeah. team. You know, I think you it was, uh, you know, I, I, I honestly, at that time, I, I seriously thought that I was the toughest man on the planet. 
I thought I could beat it. Muhammad Ali came up to Northern Michigan at one point. I can't remember when it was. Yeah. And I was working security. He went up for an exhibition sparring match and I'm working security. So he's walking right by me, like six inches from me. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm, I'm going to take him out. I'm, I'm going to sucker him. We're going at it. That's where it was. So a lot of the stuff I did was like, yeah. So, so I would like, I, I would chew glasses. We'd be in a bar and I'd chew my beer glass. I mean, because what would happen was I built this reputation. So this guy that was the ran this oh, bar yeah, there. I was into it. Oh yeah. This guy that's run the place. He was a former Marine or something like that. He comes over to me when I'm meeting the glass and he goes, Laidla, I'm not afraid of you. I've been shot and I've been stabbed. And I'm thinking to myself, he's, he's comparing me to being shot and being stabbed. Like it was feeding the whole like tough yeah, guy. Feeding, yeah, feeding yeah. the wants. So just was like, I saw some people, I saw this woman years ago who gone to Northern Michigan when I was there, didn't know her. And she just, she looked at me, we're adults now, you know, like kids and a little bit. And she, she says, man, you lived all out when you were there. <laughs> yes, I did. You know, yeah, because, well, it, it sounds like, you know, and you're, I mean, a lot of fun for lack of a better way to put it, but I, I that's some, honestly, I can see how you would have thought that funny and some yeah. coach would have wiped that smile off your fucking face oh. so fast. Yeah, I know. I know. I've, I've been there though, because I had to yeah. tread that line as well. Oh. Um, except, except you're doing it now. Now you go right from that to the New York Rangers. Now, eventually, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but eventually I didn't realize you were the captain. I knew, I thought you were assistant captain. Was that because someone were injured or did you wear the C? That, for a while, I, yeah, I wore it for a while. Barry Beck was the captain. He got hurt for a few months, and actually, Herb Brooks. Uh, we'll talk about Herb Brooks too. But Herb is one of these cases where Herb, uh, like Herb, loved me, but I didn't know it at the time. Like I was one of his boys, but he didn't treat me like that. And so he had gone to Anders Hedberg and said, "Anders, I want you to wear the C." And Anders said, "No, Tommy should be the captain." So Herb comes over to me and says, uh, "Listen, I wanted to give the captaincy to Anders, but he didn't want it, so nobody else wants it. So you've got it." <laughs> That's what he said to me. Really? Yeah, he was. Uh, I he find was, it fucking amazing. Just think about it. You're captain of the New York Rangers. Yeah, One of the yeah. like from and especially from everything you're saying. Well, farm boy, you know, third, fourth defenseman. I go into Northern Michigan. Now I know you can be a little bit self-deprecating, and but there is some truth to it. Like you really did. It's not like you were at 16 yeah. planning your future as a first-round yeah. pick. No, right? no way. But well, now was, you come in yeah. and, and you end up being a leader slash the leader on the New York Rangers. So yeah. did that change? Were you still loosey goosey? Did or or was it more of that speech that you remember in the room, or was it uh, more of uh, you know? Yeah, fucking, it was more. Yeah, it was kind of. It was more like I I believed it. Uh, I knew I was that player. Herb Brooks was really good for me. So my first year in the league uh, was my, he wasn't coaching yet. He was uh, he'd won the Olympics uh, gold medal. But he'd gone over to Switzerland for coach for a year. So Freddie Shiro was my first coach. And uh, I, I played a lot, got like six goals, 23 assists. I think, well, I'm going to be like a two-way defenseman here. Like, I really had confidence in myself. And then Herb comes in the second year. And, and again, Herb loved me, but he had a certain role for me. And I didn't understand all this at the time. But uh, he the day before our first game at Madison Square Garden, we had a practice at our practice facility up in Rye, New York. And uh, Herb called the whole team together at center ice. He's going around to everybody, you know, Barry Beck, you're the leader, Ron Grester, you're going to run the power play, Ron Duguay, or so-and-so. And he gets to me at the end, and he goes, uh, Laidlaw, when you get the puck, give it to somebody else you're not supposed to have. <laughs> and the guys are dying, and I'm thinking, you jerk. Like, when I you thought, get the yeah. puck, give it to somebody yeah. else. Yeah, totally. And so it, he, I found out later on, like, he he felt I was tough enough mentally to, to for him to say something like that in front of the guys. Like, it was uh, one of those things he would do to pull everybody together, Let's make fun of Tommy. Tommy can handle it, uh, and that's that's kind of how we came. Like he he was great with me. So what he There's said to me was said there too. 
Yeah. Well, right. what he was doing, he was saying, listen, this is going to be your role. But what he was really good at was backing it up after. So if I accepted the role and did what he wanted to do, like be that defensive defenseman, he would make sure that in all those opportunities where I should be out there, he got me out there. Okay. Like he would come, he'd literally come down to the bench and kick me in the ass and say, get the fuck out there. Like he, he didn't want to know if I was 75% or 80%. He wanted me out. And that fired me up because I knew he didn't care. He wanted Tom Laidlaw on the ice. Didn't matter how tired I was, how hurt I was. So that's where Herb was really good, especially with me. Like to say, okay, you're getting your job. I don't, I don't want to talk to you anymore about it. You go do your job and then I'll, I'll put you on the ice when you need to be able and- to Six two two fifteen. Is this what you played out of? You're more than two fifteen now, man. You yeah, I go two twenty five now. Uh, but it's a smarter two twenty five now. It's uh, leaner, you know, more, more core exercise, uh, more ab exercise. Like before, it was you know bench press, squat, do that kind of stuff. Now okay. it's I do a lot of stuff. Now in it's the eighties, and people forget. But people did. I mean, a lot of people look at me and go that. You guys didn't work out. I'm like, no, we did. Fuck, we did. It was a, it's a little different now, but we did. We even did all that combine stuff. I know. My dad came out in 1972, so it was 10 years before you, almost. But And I know things were a little different, but in the 80s, I go, that was kind of a, what I remember, like it was a almost a gym craze. Like that's when it kind of started. So it's not like people didn't know. Yeah. You were working out, were you? Oh, yeah, we were working out a lot, yeah, especially during the summer. Uh, yeah. But again, just not knowing what to do. I not knowing, not like yeah. today, but people were conscious. You didn't just yes, move. I think your era gets that more – the rep based on the Duguay kind yeah. of presence. Listen, it, it, was, it, was a, yeah, it was a beer drinking league then too, though. I mean, it, yeah, it, it was, was a beer. Yeah. but you know what it was, you know, this, um, it was, uh, it was a lot of beer drinking, but it was also like playing guilty. So everybody knew what we were all together out drinking beer. So we all knew that we had to show up the next day and play and practice and do all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so were you in you, you, the eighties is also, known as one of the toughest eras if you want to count you know all of the above hitting fighting all of it uh so you're a big guy you're coming in but you came from college where and i know you you uh said you thought you were the toughest guy in the world well now you're coming into a league with literally some of the toughest guys in the world how did that go over like did you well, that's a wake up, right? You know, you, yeah. you're getting in there and you're playing. My first game in the regular season was against the Boston Bruins. You know, Terry yeah. Riley, you know, Stan Jonathan. Four or five, yeah. Oh, totally. So well, it's funny because, so uh, at training camp, I had a good training camp. Um, and I, we had a, a rookie game where I played uh, against the Islanders rookies. And this guy by the name of Hector Marini was out there and he was a pretty tough guy. So I said, okay, this is it. Let's go. It's showtime. You know, I've worked my whole life to get in the National Hockey League. And I'm, you know, Freddie Shearer is our coach. He's coached the Broad Street Bullies, famous for wanting fighters and all that stuff. So I handed it to Hector Marini pretty good. And then the next day, all of a sudden, I was in a regular game. I wasn't due to play the next game with the the, the big club. And we're playing against the Islanders. And uh, Bob Nyson's out there. So they must have told him that I gave it to Marini pretty good. So he comes right over to me right away and just really? bumps me. Yeah, didn't say anything. And I remember thinking to myself, okay. I know I can fight. I've shown myself and everybody else I can fight, but do I really want to be doing this all the time? Yeah. Because like, I'm looking and saying, there's, so there's all the guys in Boston. There's, uh, just, uh, like I said, uh, uh, Bob Nystrom, Clark Gillies with the Islanders. Philadelphia's got six or seven guys as well. So that, like, if you get yourself in that role, like every night you're fighting those guys, yeah. you know, it isn't just like one night showing that you can do it. So I ultimately did not fight him, uh, but I, I made sure that I, I didn't let uh, him intimidate me at all. Like I had to be that physical player. Yeah. And that, so that helped me. I had, I had other fights. I fought big Ray Newfeld, uh, 
couple other guys in preseason. So I fought enough to show myself, the team management, that I could I could do it. Um, but we first regular season game we were up in Boston, and I was so nervous I shot the puck in my own net. John Davison was in that. Oh, <laughs> Bank, banked it right off and said, I went to shoot around behind the net. I was just, yeah. uh, you know, it's first game in the NHL. I'm just you know, in Boston, you know, the intimidation and everything. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, so now in those days, they didn't tell you, like, I, I was with the big club still, but they hadn't told me to get a place, which was kind of the signal that you've now made the club. So next night we're going into Toronto. My parents are there, you know, grew, grew up right outside of Toronto. And this, uh, and so now I should back up. Freddie Shiro pulled myself, Chris Gatsopoulos, and Eddie Hospitar in. So listen, I'm not playing you the first five minutes of each game. I'm not going to play the last five minutes of each game. Now, what do you think you can do to help this hockey team? You're six foot two, 215 pounds. I'm not telling you to fight. <laughs> this is how he says it to us. So he wanted us to, yeah, yeah. Wanted us to fight. So uh, I'm carrying the puck. It's a funny video. I'm carrying the puck. We actually just did a podcast with this guy too, uh, through the neutral zone, in Maple Leaf Gardens. And uh, Robert Picard, who's a decently tough guy, butt ended me. And it really wasn't that bad. Uh, it was more of a hook butt end. It wasn't like he was trying to hurt me. But now I'm down, and our bench now jumps up like they're all upset. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, last night I shot. I've worked my whole life to get to the NHL. Last night I shot the puck in my own net. <laughs> and now I let this guy butt end me right in front of our bench. I, I, I'm sorry, but he's going down. Yeah. And uh, I stood up and just one time, like it was a left actually. I usually throw with my right, and just knocked him out cold. And uh, really, but, second yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, I remember Daryl Sittler comes skating over to me. And I watched Daryl Sittler play all the time when I was a kid, you know, in yeah. Garden. So he comes skating over, he's coming after me, you know, he's the captain of the team. And I honestly was thinking to myself, I got to get his autograph. <laughs> this is Daryl Sittler. I mean, I had what to, a weird situation. Oh, to oh, totally. So I had to, I had to kind of snap myself out. It's funny. Nobody came near me the rest of the game. Like I really, yeah. I realized that then they should have, like I suckered him. Like I didn't give a chance at all. And, uh, well, it's your yeah. way. You got to get respect. I mean, yeah. nice to, we can't fight every night. Like you said, man, yeah. like that. Yeah. That's actually probably a, a, a good thing. Uh, look, I, you mentioned Anders Hedberg. Yep. Now I think this guy's name is forgotten. I, yeah. I, I used to think, again, just, just some old VCR tapes I got from the 80s. I'd heard about him. And the more I look, I just looked at his stats yesterday when I was getting ready for this. And again, like a point of game three, four years in the NHL. Yeah. Had some unreal years. His prime years were in the WHA. Yep. Was he as good as I think he is? Yes, a uh, great skater, a really competitive skater, guy. Wasn't he? Skater, yes, really good skater. Good, you know, st uh, you know, stick handler, shooter, great guy, like a real good team guy too, like a real professional. Him and Ulf Nielsen were both the same way. Uh, I didn't get to play as much with Ulf, um, but yeah, just uh, you know, like I said, they, I'd say professional is just a word for him. They just what show the up all the time. Have you noticed? You were an agent, haven't you noticed? Think of the guys from the Scandinavian countries. A lot of them are leaders. Yes. Naku Koivu, Lidstrom, yeah. these guys. Think of it. Anybody, Marcus Naslund even. I'm trying to think sure. of. We had guys like a Jan Eriksson that we had in our team. Very un underrated player. Like great defense. Yeah. Player. Great team guys. Like they really were good team guys. They're just like, uh, you know, they wouldn't necessarily fight all the time, but they wouldn't get intimidated. They Like we go into places. Yeah, like they show up to play. Sure. They wouldn't get, yep, guys try to push them around. They just, they wouldn't get, fight back, but they weren't going to change their game. So, yeah, they're were, they were great to play with. Yeah. We had so Tom, you, Thomas Sandstrom was a good player too, but he was a little bit more feisty than everybody else in the Swedes. And but he was good. Sandstrom was also in both places, wasn't he? He was in yes, he was. New York yep. and LA. Yep. Um, uh, I got it. So, you come in that first year, I believe, uh, Phil Esposito's last. Yeah. But that's a real, I don't know many people that have played with Esposito and Gretzky yeah, and so many sure. other great ones. But I just, 
I remember when Gretzky was going for the 92 goals. Again, I'm only like four or five years old. But Esposito had 76. Yep. I know there's been, but that, that was two big things for me when I was younger. Like Phil Esposito was just coming out of being Phil Esposito. Yep. And my first memories being formed. And Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy just were on TV every yeah. night as these scores. And you ended up playing yeah. with one at the very end of his career and another one in the prime. So yeah. Esposito, even though he was injured, um, it must have been for you, a young guy. It must have been wild to play oh. with a legend like that. Sat, yeah, I sat right across the locker room from him. Um, just idolized him. Never fit. First time I went in Mass Square Garden in the locker room for a game it was after my senior year. They brought me in to sign my contract and then go to New Haven and play in the playoffs there. So they brought me in the, the Rangers game that night. And uh, so you know the the jerseys are all up and everything and i'm thinking like this is the first nhl locker room i've ever been in yeah and phil's jersey was hanging up he comes walking in the room now he doesn't know who i am but he's i see he's whispering with the trainers and they're telling him who i am so now he starts walking over towards me i'm like holy this is unbelievable i'm in an nhl locker room phyllis Pazito's walking over me the day of a game and he comes over to me and says tommy heard a lot about you which was yeah, he really hadn't until that moment, but he, he was nice enough to, to say it. He didn't have to pay attention to me. He said, heard a, heard a lot about you. Can't wait to play with you. And I could have died gun to heaven right there when he said those yeah. things, you know, because now you're, you're. Well, you, at that time, think about it. Like if, if that, see, Gretzky and Lemieux came and then Hull and Solani and McGillney, I think. And all of a sudden in the late 80s, there was this spurt and a few people had 70 or 80 goals. And then it kind of went away again, but it happened. And it kind of, for anybody my age, took the luster off. I won't even say that. We didn't even, I did because I watched <laughs> hockey every day, but a lot of people didn't realize how big that was. Esposito had yeah. 76. Yeah. Yeah. Like Rocket Richard, this big deal. He had 50 goals. He didn't do it any more times than that. Yeah. And he had, you know, then Bossy getting 50, I believe, in 50 was this huge thing. Esposito had 76 yeah. one of those years in the mid-70s. Wow. And, and it, I tell you, it wasn't skill. And I mean that with all respect. He had a huge heart. He would never quit. I mean, he was skilled enough, but he wasn't a great skater. He's a big man. But yeah. he just he wanted it. He wanted to be he that guy. He wanted it, hey? Yeah. Hockey yeah. IQ and just. Yeah, totally. And it, Gretzky was the same way. Like I tell people all the time, Gretzky and I have two something in common. We both accomplished our goals. My goal was to play in the National Hockey League. His goal was to be the best player I'd ever played, and he accomplished wow. that. And Phil was great. Funny story, my first training camp. So now they finish off. We come to training camp the next year. And in those days, the old guys didn't do anything during the summer. Training camp was longer, two days, more games. They played themselves into shape. That that was the way they looked at it. They it's funny. I just read that in Phil's book. I, yeah. I literally just read it three months ago, and he says it exactly like you just yeah. said it. But but I I didn't have that luxury, right? I had yeah. to, like the young guys. If you wanted to make the team, you had to be in great shape. So I was running hills and lifting weights twice a day and everything. I was in fantastic shape. So uh, first day, first or second day of training camp, like we're playing, we're scrimmaging. We're not supposed to really hit guys, but I'm there to make the team. So Phil's carrying the puck through the neutral zone. He's got his head down. So I'm wow. knocking right at his ass. Neutral zone too, an open icer. <laughs> he gets up. The building just goes dead quiet. He's losing his mind on me, screaming at me. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, what did I do, you know? So things settle down, go in the locker room after, and he comes walking over towards me. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go again. You know, this is Phil Spazito. I, what did, I, did I do the right thing or not? And he goes, uh, so I guess you really want to make this team, don't you? I said, yeah, Phil, I've dreamed all my life playing in the NHL. I'm sorry. He says, okay, I don't like it. Don't do it again. But I really admire you for, for doing it. So it worked out okay. But, wicked. Oh, yeah, totally. That's wicked. Was, so then yeah. how did the um, – do you remember much about the trade? Was it in the summer? I don't know much about you. You going from New York to LA? Yeah, that we know is the trade deadline. So oh. uh, Bobby Carpenter had sat out, uh, missed a lot of time in Washington, got traded for two pretty good players of ours, uh, Mike Ridley and Kelly Miller. 
Yeah. And uh, so it wasn't going well for Bob there. And and actually, my game had fallen off a little bit, too. And Phil was general manager at the time. And so we called him Trader Phil. He was making all kinds of trades. So I knew I wasn't playing well. I'd left the, the rink at trade, trade deadline. was at 3 o'clock. Uh, nothing had happened. So I went home. Uh, at those times, there were no cell phones or anything. My, my ex-wife, my wife at the time, was standing at the door crying. And I'm thinking, like, something, does something happen? Because I didn't get traded. And uh, it ultimately was just not registered yet, so the trade had gone through. So, you know, it's funny. Uh, your ego kicks in, and you want to get traded for a good player, right? So myself, and so she didn't know all the details. So I found out later it was uh, it was Marcel Dion. Uh, but I'm thinking, okay, oh, well, he's yeah. he, Yes, he's a good player, but he's like 60 years old. He wasn't 60, but he was an old guy. So I was kind of like, what the heck is that? But that was Phil. Uh, Phil just, that was him. He, uh, Phil led with his heart. I, I, Phil was fantastic to me as a person, as a player. Uh, he led with his heart, you know, and, and I, I don't hold any grudges. Actually, he probably helped me because I, you know, like I said, I wasn't playing well. I'd hurt my back. And I, that fresh start going out to L.A., uh, really made a difference, and you know, Gretzky got traded there, and it was you know, that was the place to be when Gretzky got traded. I mean, yeah. yeah, and not only that, I I bet you, I bet you anything, a large portion of the people listening don't realize how good Marcel Dion actually yeah. was. Yeah. He was probably then at that time. I could be off, but he is he he's second or third in ever in, in the NHL in scoring at yeah, that time. Yeah, definitely. Well, he was battling Wayne all the time. Wayne yeah, I remember that. For, yeah, for scoring titles. Oh, no, he was a fantastic player and a competitive guy, too. We had a big brawl my rookie year that we played the Kings in the first round. They ranked the teams 1 through 16 then, and we, we had a bad seat. I think we were like 13th overall. And, that's what it was, and, and we had a broad, we had a tough team. We had a big tough team, so we tried to beat them up, and we did a pretty good job. But uh, but Marcel didn't. Like, he fought Eddie Hospitar. Uh, he didn't back down at all. Yeah, so I, I really admired him. He was a great player, a real competitive guy. Um, so nice was, to hear. You know, I've always, I I don't know many people uh, again other than my dad who, I, I'm sure they played against him, but it it didn't come up much, and. I just I look at the stats and I'm like, my God, this guy doesn't get talked about enough. I, yeah, I mean, totally. considering well, so you go over it, Lades, you go over to L.A. at that time. Yeah. For those that don't, I mean, the, the jerseys changed. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's cool to play hockey. Gretzky going, just Gretzky oh. going to California did yeah. so much for the game. Oh, we could talk for six hours. Yeah. But you go there at that time, and now all of a sudden, in L.A., like celebrities are starting to go, and and not yeah. only that, the Kings become pretty good. I mean, within years, yeah, uh, yeah. I believe '92 they went to the final, yeah. and so you you retire, I think, in '90. So for Gretzky's first two years, pretty good. I think first or second round, you're on the map. Gretzky breaks the record. This is the center stage. Can't believe it because you're coming from New York, which is yeah. the Big Apple, but now yeah. you're actually back right there, one of the biggest cities, one of the biggest things happening in sports. Yeah. How did that feel to kind of start that ride with Gretzky? That's a great question because you're in New York, you know, you are, you're playing in the middle of Manhattan on the fifth floor of Madison Square Gardens. So it's like, you know, it's a whole different world. Right? Whole place. Different. So I get to LA and, uh, you know, we had a good team, you know, we had Phil Sykes and Luke Robitaille and Jimmy Carson and Dave Taylor and all these guys, but we, you know, we had the purple and gold jerseys. So we go into a place like Montreal. I was used to wearing the Ranger red, white, and blue. And you go into the Montreal Forum and, you know, Guy Lafleur and Larry Robinson are skating around with all the banners there and the red, white, and blue, and you're wearing purple and gold. It's just like, it, it really affected you. Like, oh God. Yeah. I could see that. So, um, so when Wayne get traded, I remember I was at home back in New York, and it was on ESPN. There was no other sports outlet at that time. 
And uh, they're announcing at the start of the day that, you know, Gretzky may get traded. And I'm thinking, Gretzky's not getting traded. You know, that's not happening. And then they're saying, let's see, like, Kings. I'm thinking, holy, like, I'm, I play for the LA Kings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I mean, when it happened, yeah, you just, you feel like a better player right away. Like, you just, yeah. now you're important. Now you're relevant. You're going for more of the purple and gold uh, jerseys. And now they're kind of cool. They're kind of a retro jersey. But uh, now, now you're playing with Wayne Gretzky. They changed the jersey colors to black and silver. Oh yeah, um, and I'll never forget like first game of the forum. A totally different feel. The place is packed. There's a buzz. Uh, he gets announced, you know, starting lineup and all that kind of stuff, and the place is going crazy. He after the game, right away. Yeah, and then after the game, all the movie stars are in there. I tell a funny story of Goldie Hawn, her and Colt, Kurt Russell going, and you know, like the women reporters are in the locker room, so it's not that we're not used to having female reporters, but this is Goldie Hawn. We're, we've got to yeah. get dressed here, you know. <laughs> so. Uh, I would love to tell you she was staring at me. She was not. She was just kind of looking around the room, and, and I was just dropping my 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 gear. So oh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking down, and thinking, "God, I hope it's not cold in here." Man. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's and Goldie she, Hawn. It's yeah, funny they yeah, were. Yeah. Her and Kurt Russell were at. They used to go to games in Long Beach when we would play there yeah. in the minors. They, and I believe Kurt Russell had a son that yeah. played yeah. played in Vancouver in the yeah. WHL. I think. Yeah. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one. Before, oh man, look, we've been on 40 minutes, and i got to ask you yeah. a bunch more questions. So yeah. I'm going to circle back if we have time yeah. to this Gretzky stuff and this L.A. stuff yeah. because there's some fascinating things that end up happening. Yeah. I'm also going to circle back to the agency because I'm going to bypass that for now. Sure. I just I don't want to run out of time before I ask you. Yeah. So things happen after hockey. You're, you're involved in a bunch of things, which I will touch on. Commentating, sports management, public speaking, all of that. But how did Survivor come on your radar and who convinced you, if anybody, to apply? Yeah. You know, I was lucky. Um, I just, I, I've always wanted to do different things. Like I just never wanted to say, I didn't want to, like I was an agent for 20 some years. I just decided I didn't want to be an agent anymore. There wasn't anything wrong with it. I just wanted to do all do different things. And by you know, the, the way, by the way, when you say you're an agent for 20 years, did you just seamlessly, because I mean, when, I, when you were around, you were representing Bush and, you know, you let's, you know, you were with my agency. IMG was yep, its yep. name, right? Yeah. Yep. That was pretty much right away after you played. So did you just go yeah. right into it? Yeah, like two weeks after. Okay. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I was fortunate. I tell people this. I was fortunate because we didn't make much money. And so I wasn't – I had a young family. I, w- I couldn't just sit around and say, okay, I'm going to take a year off here do golf or whatever. I had to get to work. Uh, I remember, okay. Yeah. I started my own business at first. It was called Laid Law Sports Management. Yeah. So okay. I had guys like Dallas Drake, uh, trying to think of who else I had at that time. But uh, so that that had gone well. And I would see Mike Barnett, especially out in Western Canada, recruiting. And we knew each other from Wayne being in LA when I was there. And uh, he was impressed by my work ethic. And again, you know, I just didn't know any difference. You know, I was going to you know, other people. It's the middle of the winter. I'm going to Moose Jaw and Red Deer and all those places. And then that's just thought I knew. I just I said, okay, my career ended in hockey. Um, now I've got to get to work. So I really didn't, I, I tell people that, I'm glad that I'm smart enough to know what I was doing, but if I was any smarter, I would have scared myself out of it because I really, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, you know, I knew I, I was going to learn. I was going to learn the collective bargaining agreement, you know, recruiting now, you know, it's a blow to the ego too, because I'm used to being an NHL player. Now I'm going out recruiting everybody. They're all saying no to me because I've got more experience. So, you know, so you've got to like, yeah, I'll never forget what my first clients was Jason Fitzsimmons was a goaltender, uh, played, uh, he was a moose shot. And uh, this is terrible the way this happened, but Glenn, he had an agent already. And Glenn Hanlon was a teammate of mine, one of my favorite teammates ever, the goaltender. And he was a goaltender uh, coach or scout with Vancouver. And Fitzsimmons had been drafted by Vancouver. 
So after a game, I think it was in Tacoma, he pulls Jason aside. He says, so you, got, you got an agent? And he says, yep. He says, well, this is your new agent. And that was my first client. So he, he, he gave, it really wasn't the right way to do things, but you know, Glennie was helping a buddy. Really, out. really. Yeah. Okay. This yeah. inter- and actually we'll get back to the survivor. Actually, it'll go yeah. into it. So, so you, you, you become that, that agent and you still are loosely involved or no? In playing or in the agent business now? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm out of it entirely now. I have okay, people come. Entirely. Yeah, I have people come to me more like, like a, uh, uh, you know, like kind of help them out a little bit. But no, I'm out of it. Yeah. Well, when you were talking earlier, but I mean, what's funny, uh, not ironic, but maybe ironic, is that, you know, you you end up because being a sports agent is, you've got to real really be a professional and um, yeah. mind your p's and q's. You got to be able to like almost not a liaison between the team and the player, but you've got to be articulate. You got to gain respect and trust. Yeah. And that doesn't sound like the guy who was putting furniture on top of cars, but <laughs> there was a guy that was captain of the Rangers. So yeah. some, are you selectively taking some of the, are you just growing more mature? Because I would think that's a great training. I mean, even playing with Wayne Gretzky, you can say, Hey, it's great that I played with, but there's also a professionalism that you have to carry yourself with. There's the, the media gets different. There's more eyes on you there. So did all that help with becoming the agent? It wasn't just yeah. contacts, right? Well, you know, it was, it was growing up a lot too. It was understanding how do I want to be perceived as a player, as an agent, um, as a leader on the team, you know, I became that leader. I want players, players awards that's voted on by the players. So my peers were looking at me a certain way and I learned to, uh, that that was so important to me. Uh, one of my dad's, uh, my father, he's passed away now. One of his highlights I'll be quick with the story where I was playing with the Kings. I got him one of these satellite dishes so we could watch your games. I was carrying the puck down the ice. One game, I don't know what I was doing, flew over the goaltender, went headfirst on the boards. And the play-by-play guy goes, I don't know who that is, but he's not getting up. And Scotty Bowman was doing the color commentating, and he goes, no, that's Laidlaw. He'll get up. He always gets up. And my father, he just went, he thought that was the best thing. He didn't care about me score goals or anything. That's the reputation I built. I learned from things like that how important my reputation was. And I was going to go into the agent business and I was not going to be this scumbag trying to you know, lie, cheat, and steal. I was going to tell the truth. And it ended up, paying dividends for me too. I'd negotiate contracts and, you know, if the player's a free agent, you're trying to shop them around and you got to show the other GMs that, listen, you're not the only guy I'm dealing with. There's other people. So because I built that reputation, it was easier for me now to say that, listen, I've got two or three other teams that are interested. And I actually had one general manager say to me one time, he said, Tom, you know what? You have never lied to me. So I trust you that you've got two or three other teams. And when he said that, I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. You know, that's, I wanted that reputation and that's the reputation I built. So that, that was a big thing for me. And, and I've carried that throughout the rest of my life that I just realized, you know, who you are as a person, just, you, you can't sell it. And that's, you go back to Survivor. I told them on the show, uh, before the show, I said, listen, I'm not going to do this stuff that everybody else does. And don't give me no whining, no drama. I'm not lying and cheating and steal. This is not who I am. They said, okay, that's who you are. So. But I mean, Tom, thousands of people, I would think tens of thousands. If I'm wrong, it's hundreds. Apply for that. Yeah. How? Like, I mean, did you, did, did, for example, I, I applied for the Amazing Race Canada this year. I couldn't do it because Shorzy's happening, but someone kind of on the inside contacted me oh, and cool. said, look, we need, or we, we're curious. We, we think maybe your personality, like it was something like, was it something like that? Or were you watching TV one day and said, you know what, I'm going to apply? Well, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer, owned, I believe owns a piece Ah, of- he's huge in the hockey. Yeah, right. he had a right. hockey team play a yep. bunch of guys around here a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. 
And I believe he was a piece of Amazing Race Big Brother and Survivor. Ah. And, yeah. So he had come to the NHL looking for somebody to be on Amazing Race. Uh, and so they came to me, and uh, I just couldn't find it. I got in trouble because I told nobody my nobody my age was in shape. They were all fat and out of shape. So uh, I said that publicly, and the guys didn't true. like it too much. Yeah. There's so not a lot. That, yeah, so then it shifted. So that didn't happen. So it shifted to Survivor. I still had to go through the process. They bring you into LA for casting for five days, and they do a lot of meetings. But they really, they really stress. Listen, we want you to show your personality. So you know, same as you, I've been a camera in front of cameras a lot, so I was used to it. Some of the younger people on the show were nervous because they hadn't spent much time in front of the camera. So I walked into the first meeting. Jeff Probst, the host, is there. The lead producer, some people from CBS. And I walked right into Probes, and I stood over top of him. He's a small guy sitting on the couch, and I stood over top of him. I said, Proby, you're mine. You know, I, got the, I got the black T-shirt on everything, and acting tough. And, and uh, he's, dying, he's loving it. He's dying laughing. And so we talked for a while. I talked about losing teeth and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and there's the, these two women from CBS, and right in front of me, he says, uh, what do you guys he says to the two women, what do you think of him? And one woman goes, you know, I like him. You know, he's confident but not cocky. And the other woman goes, no, no, he's totally cocky. What are you talking about? And I love it because that's what you wanted, right? You're the same way. You got to show your personality. Oh yeah, so, totally. Yeah. So it went. Uh, they don't call you. They tell you they're going to call you in a couple of weeks, but they want you to not know uh, the the least amount of time. Like, do you want that? If you know that you run the risk of telling other people that you're going to be on the show, so they wait for a couple of months before they call you. Okay. And they call me. And I, I didn't get all excited. I guess most people are screaming like they called me and said, "Tommy, you're on the show." I said, "Okay, it's great." And uh, they're, "Aren't you excited?" I, you know, because they're used to these. A lot of the other players. Yeah, have not all of them have been captain yeah. of the Rangers. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so it was, uh, but it was a blast. So it was. But the first, uh, I'm trying to. I say this stuff. I got to calm down. Like I don't want to come across as like I was in great shape. You know, 60 years old. I was you know played in the NHL. All this. I'm trying not to like stick out too much. So we had the first challenge, and the you um, you go through this obstacle course, and then you got to get up a wall, and then you do a puzzle. So of course. I'm going to be at the bottom of the wall and there's, it's like a 30 foot wall. There's again, there's ropes, but they're way up there. You have to build a human ladder. And where is this? This is in Fiji. Okay. This, yeah. this is when you're, this is your, yeah. now you've, you've done, you're, right. you've gone to camera already. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. There you go. Right. And so I'm saying to myself, calm down. So I get to the wall. I'm going, get up my effing back. You know, I'm screaming. <laughs> so I get so wound up because I like, this is the first competition. Like now I'm fired up. The old Tom Laidlaw is coming out again. And uh, so they had three guys on top of me at one point. So probably like, and they're all like, probably like 600 pounds on my back. And this one girl, she's trying to be nice. She thinks I'm going to collapse. Like I'm the 60 year old going to collapse. So she's like, we got to brace Tom. We got to brace Tom. I'm no, get away from me. Get up the wall. And when I was done with it, I was like, Tom, you idiot. Like it's like all the things I said, like I should calm down. And it, yeah, that wore off after a while, but it was like that, that was that initial uh, rush. But it was so a blast. Did you, did you watch it and prepare? I yeah. mean, I'm familiar I'm in and out of the survive. Like, I watched yeah. it the first two years, which yeah. was what twenty years ago. Yeah, and I know that there are stories. If, if a story intrigues me about one of the contestants, right. you know, you come across social media or Rolling right. Stone magazine or whatever, I'll tune in. Yeah. And I did for you, um, but I can't remember. I know that I know you got voted off fifth overall. Yeah, yeah. It, and and I yeah, it, it, like the tribes mixed. I don't get how that happens. Yeah. So the tri like, they yeah. change it every time. What happened? Tell us. They, they do change it quite a bit, but usually it's 20 players and they're usually on two teams. So the premise is that you're out on a ship and you've got shipwrecked and now you're landing on this island and you've got to coexist with your other, like they, they split you up. So there's 10 on each side. So now you got to coexist with the nine other people out there. You got to build a camp and it's the real deal. Like you're, you're sleeping in either in the dirt or bamboo. Yep. Okay. There's no toilets. Uh, there's no, they give you a bag of rice, a pot, a uh, machete, a shovel. So you got to build your camp and everything. Uh, so the funny story is you're, 
you don't think it through because there's no toilet, there's no toilet paper. And the leaves are all muddy and bugs and everything. So they teach you to go take a crap out in the ocean. So, but when you take a crap in the ocean, now it's floating on top of the water, all your stuff. Yeah. And so you're trying to get out of the water, but the waves are crashing in. So you're running away from your own. own oh God. Yeah. Would it be really, oh, God. Oh, so I guess hilarious. normal in some places at yeah, times, totally. but no, that would seem yeah, odd. Almost yeah. probably cleaner too, but it yeah. really doesn't seem that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, okay. So and what if, like, is it hard to, what if I, I don't know, I want to smuggle in a fucking no, no, submarine sandwich. Can't, no, can't do it. You no, know, they, they, before you leave, that's a great question. They have security guards there that they go through all your stuff. You cannot bring anything out there. It's, you got your clothes and that's it. And, uh, it's real. And then even when you're out there, they want all interaction on camera. So when they put you on a boat to go to a, a challenge or a tribal council, you can't talk on that boat. And they put people on the boat to make sure you're not talking. They're, oh. They really, yeah. Yeah. They're, it's all again. We would sneak off sometimes and get away with it, uh, you know, to try to get a little bit of an advantage. But to, yeah, it's usually, yeah, you can't, you can't do it. And they makes make sense, it though. If you were muted until the camera came on, yeah. there would be much more organic, energetic stuff. Yeah. I would think. Totally, absolutely, yeah. Like that's your opportunity now to to build rep, build you know, friendships, alliances, uh, planning. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. See, yeah, I've done, I've done all kinds of TV, never reality. I, I don't yeah. really. It was cool. Yeah. It was good. Um, yeah, I, like okay. So me, I went out there. Uh, I was going to be that loyal guy. I wasn't going to lie, cheat, and steal. Yeah, I remember you saying yeah. that. Yep. So I was going to form an alliance. I did that. Uh, but they have along the way, they have what they call a tribe swap. They switched so, her all up yes, on you. Yeah. yeah. So, so the four I people, I, the four people I formed an alliance with, are now on the other side. Now they don't know who to trust. Right. Well, and they knew that I was going to be loyal. Like the new people that came over to my tribe were great people, but they, they'd say to me, "Tom, we know that you're not going to, you won't flip. Like you, those are your people you made a, a a pact with, and you're going to stick with that pact. And we admire that, but we we want you to come with us. And I said, yeah, well, if you I showed your that, colors, and and yeah. although admirable they are, yeah. someone has to be voted off, yeah. and it made sense to vote you off. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the people you think are going to win are gone right off the yeah, bat totally. for that reason. Yeah. You know, what's right. funny too. One guy that I got to be buddies with is uh, Dean Kowalski, great guy. He actually went pretty far. I think he got second place in the whole game, but he was a college basketball player and uh, a good athlete. So we had this, the last challenge where I got voted out. We lost it. If we had to won it, then I wouldn't have got voted out. But he, uh, so it, it worked out that there was, he had to shoot three baskets at the end. So I said to him, I said, you're shooting the basket. So we rigged it so that the other people didn't know what was going on. But we, him and I were up there with the baskets. And I said, listen, you're shooting all the baskets. So he uh, he missed the last one, and they they got the other team got it. Yeah, so they yeah. losing. So after the show was over, after I got voted off, the producers thought this is hilarious. They knew what I was doing, and uh, so they went and researched how many points Dean Kowalski had scored in college basketball. <laughs> and they told me after they said he scored five points in his whole career. <laughs> so I <laughs> jokes on you. <laughs> exactly. I, I put all my money on him, and he scored five points. It was, it was just <laughs> I would. I wouldn't even. You know what? I wouldn't even think about that. If I heard yeah. someone played college basketball, yeah, totally. I would just think yeah. you know of course they can sink every shot yeah right? totally. that's of course they can sink every <laughs> shot <laughs> that's great so are you, so do you keep in contact with him or anybody else from the show uh i i did a little bit with dean a lot of the players uh they get they have a lot of psychiatrists hanging around because it's a big deal like a lot of people they i got when i got voted out they put you on a boat uh, with a guy just to make sure okay and, and a female psychiatrist and i was like what are you doing here she says you're fine i'm not worried about you but some of the people just lose it they they dreamed all their life of getting on the show and then they get voted off like they're they they keep the psychiatrists keep up with you months after the show to make sure you're okay so uh yeah yeah i mean i can see that that's i don't know how to word it like a catch-22 right because they're not prepared a lot of people are younger and they grow up 
Yeah. Everybody's a winner. I, I hate to be pessimistic about it, but yeah. I can totally see it. If you yeah. get, if I, you know, oh, shucks, that sucks. But what do we do yeah. now? Okay, let's get back. Right. Uh, I, if I got voted off, I would immediately start thinking of, okay, what's going to happen yeah, tomorrow? Well, you think, pay, as we've as had all yeah. kinds of. You know, it's you funny. Know? Yeah, I, I had a conversation with this one girl, really nice, got to be friends with her. She's Chelsea. She lives out in L.A. And she dreamed all her life of being on the show. She would uh, she'd apply and apply. They called her the stalker, ultimately. She worked for that IDMB. So she was able to get the personal emails of some of the producers to contact them. She said, listen, I want to be on the show. So they finally said, we've got to put her on the show. She wants it so bad. So she knew the game inside and out. Uh, she was brilliant with it. She ha actually had an idol in her pocket, which means if she had played that, the votes against her would not have counted. She would have been safe. But uh, when they, uh, they went to tribal council, uh, they had a blind side, and she didn't know that she was getting all the votes, and people all voted her off. She was devastated. She, yeah, she, I guess yeah. so, right? I, yeah. So I said to her, I said, Chelsea, it's a, it's a TV show. It's not that big a deal. I said, Tom, what if you worked all your life to get to the NHL? You played one game, and then that was it for you. How would you feel? Uh -huh, okay, I get it. So it was, yeah, they're... But they a lot of them they go, they hang around in LA, they, they parties, they have like parties with the survivor people and everything. And I just, you know, I was, I, like I said, I, I was done. I loved it. I would do it again in a heartbeat, but I just wanted to move on from that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I actually think, you know, that's, that's funny because I think the amazing race is more up your alley. Yeah. I, I would love the amazing race. That'd be a blast. Yeah. A, a former player won it. Um, what's his name? Played in Carolina. Um, I didn't know that, but he'd played it and won it, him and his brother. Oh, so I didn't bad. realize that either. Yeah. yeah, the um I won't say who and I don't want to get cocked, but we were I was led to believe we were really I mean I, I they contacted me. I, I didn't cool know anything about it. So um but we we're filming Shorzy next month during the filming. But oh. we did you know, I, I don't really know where it would have gone, but we were four we made it four levels in. We we flew to yeah. Toronto. Oh. Myself and my buddy who's also on the show, we were pretty excited to do it. Yeah. Um they were happy, but I mean maybe someday. Because yeah. I that that show intrigues me. Um, there's so many reality shows. I guess you know some people. I don't know. I don't know about your friend, but it's just it's expectation. I, I it's something about what's the word? Um, it's fame. A lot of a lot of younger people. I think 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 fame is accessible. Right. Um, you know, you know what I'm getting yeah. at? Like, Wait, you know what the big thing for me is, and I think you're the same way. Like when you introduced me there, I know you there's long winded, but you went through all the things that I've done, or not all, but a lot of things that I've done. Yeah. And I, I find that to be pretty cool. I was on a radio show one time and a guy done a lot of research and he went for like five minutes of the bio for me talking about the things I've done. And I, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, I don't want to get morbid, but like when I die, like I don't want to, I don't want to look back and see, like I don't want to have a bucket list. I want to think to myself, no, I, I'm doing all the things now. Like a bucket list to me, it's like somebody tells you you're dying, then you, you decided to live. Well, it's, why are we waiting? Like, you're the stuff you've Fucking done with your life. Totally, man. What yeah. are you doing? What are you doing? I'm, and, you know, for that reason, my buddy Taran Sam with Sam Man played uh, eight games with the Oilers. Huh. But in a long career and was one of the only guys. He got a degree from Queens while we were playing. St. John's Maple Leafs in the AHL taking the bus. Huh. I got my degree. It was after hockey. You got you went to school before. Yeah. I don't know what you did during, but it, you know, a lot of people... And Sandman did that, and uh, anyway, he's got a successful business now, and he phoned me a few weeks ago. We hang out here and there a couple times a year right. somewhere, but we're going to Machu Picchu. We're going oh, to hike nice. out. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Again, it was just, he said the same thing. I said, you know, bucket list. He goes, what is a bucket list? Yeah. We can get hit by a bus tomorrow. Let's sure. just do it. Oh. We can do it. 
Well, when I, I do it, when okay. I was with the Rangers, I went to truck driving school. They had a program where they paid for really? you to to, yeah, they paid for you to go to school during the summer. And growing up on a dairy farm, the big trucks would always come in, and I was like, God, I want to drive those things. So I said, I can, it's no summer, fucking way. Yeah, it's the summertime going on. I went to the Rangers. I saw advertising in the back of the paper, uh, Superior Truck Driving School. I said, and they said, uh, see, you going to school? I said, they think you're going to Harvard Business School or something. I said, yeah, I'm going to truck driving school. Went off for three weeks, did it, never drove the truck after, learned how to do it, went and got my license a whole bit. And that Good was just, for you, though. It yeah. says something about yeah. you. You're motivated. You're focused. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, there's something in there that's the reason that you still work. You want to maximize your potential. Oh, you totally. seem like the guy that, yeah. you know, you're very into working now. You're not putting on a show. Yeah. You want to be the healthiest yeah. version that you can be of Tom Laidlaw. It's yeah. great. Yeah, you know what it is, and it's even more so now. Like I've started all this True Grit Life stuff. We do this new new podcast, Full Change. It's like, I yeah, you're right. I don't want to sit around and just finish off life. I want to keep going right to the very end. Somebody said that I don't want to be laid to rest. I want to go screaming into the grave, like yeah, I like get it all done. I'm, I'm actually uh, I got contacted by the State Department of the United States. Uh, they want me to be an envoy. So we'll go, we'll do ball, uh, ball hockey clinics, going to foreign countries, making in South America, whatever, do ball hockey clinics for five that show that not all people from the U S are all bad people. Like they're good people. So I think that's, that's another cool thing to do. Like that just would be a, unbelievably yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. And especially cooler in this day and age of yeah. so much fucking extremism yeah. and, uh, uh, what's the word conflict, I guess, conflict yeah. of the minds more totally. than anything. But, uh, yeah. um, it, it would be nice. Anything that brings people together. Yes. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app. Opt in and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. So, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Win or lose. Again, that's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, listen, I, you played in the 80s, okay? Yep. This argument comes up a lot now. And as people say, well, you know, more people scored back then because the goalies sucked. But I'll say, well, I know that. And that's probably true. Goals were up. Not as much as you think. There were some great players. And they were up. The goalies had less gear. But there was also a red line. There was no overtime. I, I can't imagine having three-on-three -three overtime and having Gretzky or Lemieux out. Yeah. However many points that would be extra for them, I, don't, sure. I really don't know. Um, and, you know, hooking and holding changed. I mean, fuck, you look some of that highlights from your era, man. <laughs> My era is one thing. But you could you could oh, totally. hook onto a guy and ski behind him, and yeah. it wasn't a penalty. Yeah. Yeah, what totally. was a hooking penalty? I look at some of that, and I'm going, what was a hooking penalty? But anyway, what I'm getting at is, and Connor McDavid is starting to lap the field this year more than any other. Sure. Yep. Um, but I've often said, I'm like, guys, Mario Lemieux or Wayne Gretzky won the scoring every year for 16 years straight. And some of those years they won by 80 points. Like yep. if one, yeah, it, it, I often look at Steve Eisenman and I'm going, you know, how great he was, but you, yeah. you don't because Lemieux and Gretzky were ahead sure. of him every year. Yep. Uh, you know, Eisenman had like 152 points one year and yeah. he came third. Sure. But still like, so I hate, 
comparing eras. I do. And I'm like, I, I, I respect what McDavid's doing, but but it's, there, there's something to not winning, and there's something else to what Lemieux and Gretzky did to me. They're, right. they're way out in front, way out yeah. now, and for all those years in a row. Now, he's, this year more is more impressive than any other. Yeah. But what can you tell me about playing against Lemieux, playing with Gretzky? What may, you, you said something earlier about determination, and a lot of people don't realize that about Wayne. I know they oh, don't. Man. Um, so that was obviously something. Yeah. Now, what separated them, and more so Wayne, because you played with them every yeah. day, Yep. than everybody else. Well, okay. I, I use, uh, Mario as an example. When he first started, he was kind of a soft guy. He's super talented. You can see the talent. He's a big man. He can stick hand do it all. But you could pin him against the wall, and he'd, just, he'd stay there. He wouldn't fight away. Once he started going through like Canada Cups and all that, playing with all those great players, he became a different player. Now, he was okay. still going to be good. But he now became that competitor, uh, you know, wouldn't back down from anything. You know, uh-huh. hit him. He'd fight through the hits, and he's big boy, too, and he could stick handle. So he, he was way more, and I mean this as a compliment to Wayne, he, Mario was way more talented than Wayne was as far as pure skill. Mm-hmm. Wayne, Wayne just had this, and it was a whole, the whole persona. Like when you got to play with him, you can see the way he treated the fans, uh, the teammates, um, media. You could see he understood his importance in the game and how yeah. he could, could affect not just his team's game, but the entire league. Like He put the league on his back, and he, he helped it grow, especially when he got to L.A. because, yeah, it's – you know, he meet, really made the game grow. Yeah, so interesting perspective. Yeah, tons of respect for him. He, uh, we had a funny scene. Robbie Fatori, who I love, I played with Robbie here in New York, and then he ultimately coached me in in L.A. Yeah, I hear he's a great guy. Yeah. So, but he and Wayne weren't going to get along because Robbie's by the book. It's total discipline, forty-five second shifts, and and Wayne, you know, Wayne would play those three or four minute shifts, and again, he played those shifts because he thought he had something going on for the team. It wasn't selfish. He was doing it because he thought he was helping the team. But we, Robbie had a rule, a broad Which rule that it was. Go ahead. Yeah, Robbie had a rule that would say, okay, if you lose your composure, like break a stick or something because you're mad on the ice, you're going to get benched. You know, he wanted the guys with discipline. So we were playing a game in Detroit. The young goaltender, Mark Fitzpatrick, was a high draft pick, had a shutout. We were winning like eight to nothing against Detroit. Wayne turns the puck over at center ice, and they go in and score and ruin the kid's shutout. So now Wayne's mad at himself. He goes and breaks a stick over the back of the net. So now we go in between the second and third period, and we've got a veteran team, John Tonelli, Larry Robinson, myself, Dave Taylor, uh, Mike Crucian and skill these guys. So the rumor starts going around that Wayne's going to bench, or uh, Robbie's going to bench Wayne. <laughs> no way, because you're not going to bench Wayne. You can't do that. No. But he we go out the ice there, and Robbie benches him. No, like, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, that's exactly what we were saying. Like, Robbie, what are you doing? Uh, so finally, Mike Krusinski leans back to Robbie and goes, Robbie, you have got to put him on the ice. But now the damage is already done, right? So now if he puts him on the ice, he's going against his rule, but he's already benched him. So, but again, we were we we're dying laughing because we're this veteran team. We're going, Robbie, we love you, but what are you doing? <laughs> do, what do, did do, fucking do. Gretz think of it? Well, so this is Wayne. He was really good about not uh, trying to make a coach look bad. So he took him. Remember the old uh, Joe Lewis Arena? There's a whole hallway of locker rooms on each side. Yeah. So he took them down the hallway from our locker room to another one. But the, they were all like those cinder block walls, and they could hear the voices, especially they were yelling. And Wayne yelled to Robbie, he says, 20,000 people came to watch me play. They didn't come to watch you coach. And, and it, Wayne, it was true. And, and Wayne didn't know. Like, he was trying to keep it away from the team. But we all heard it. And, and we all knew it. It didn't even have to be said. And apparently, I didn't know this until recently, but uh, Bruce McNall, the owner, was going to come in and fire him on the road trip. He was going to fire Robbie. And Wayne got to him right away and said, no, you cannot fire him because it's going to make it look like I got him fired. And we, and that's bad for our team. So that's the kind yeah, of guy he was. He's, he's right. really, yeah, 
totally aware. Yeah. He, I, know, it, I know where Pretorik's coming from, but, you yeah. know, yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. They, they, literally, he transcended the game. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know what? And I totally respected Robbie, too, though, because that's who Robbie was. Like, we had a yeah. conversation one time. He says, Tom, we are going to get, we're going to get fired as coaches anyway. So you might as well coach the way you want. And he was yeah. talking about that Wayne thing. He was, yeah. Robbie was, uh, loved him. Just a really respected man, disciplined man, great team player. Yeah. But, that happens in sports. I watched, uh, Ironically, I watched Moneyball last night. Oh, great movie. Great. It's a great movie. And you know, you really see it's just a lot of different opinions, but I can totally see where everybody's yeah. coming from. It yeah. must get stressful in those kind like in in that kind of situation. I can identify having a coach in hockey, but you know, in any sport where you get management coming in and they got different philosophies. Oh, yeah. Totally. I can see what Fatorik's saying. Look, I want to be true to me, like Billy yeah. Bean and Moneyball. At some point, yeah. you know, I, I want to make decisions based on who I am. Yeah. And yeah, you know, because if you don't, you can't coach. You're not going to be a good coach. So you're not going to get a job. Totally. And you yeah. know what? You, you'll you'll get respect in the end. You should. Yeah, sure. Um, if if nothing else, that's a good story though. Yeah. Um, and true grit. Yes. Motto, lifestyle. Yeah. I know this goes beyond the podcast, right? Isn't this your? Yeah. So true good life is kind of the umbrella. The full change podcast is kind of underneath that. And I work with this Tom Smith, the producer, great guy, very creative and everything. Uh, so true good life. Is and where can people find this, by the way, on all the platforms, yes, right? All the platforms, all the podcast platforms. And we had this Mr. Terry Ryan on too. He's a great, a great show. So uh, you talked the whole time, but that's another story altogether. Yeah. I just, uh, ramble. <laughs> I'm just kidding. People, know, if people are tuning into this and it's no surprise to them. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so true good life is something that I'm constantly evolving in. Um, my youngest son got me to brand myself probably five or six years ago, like get on Instagram and Facebook, not knowing what I was doing. So my brand really became this guy that show, showed up every day, that, like I talked to you before. And that's really what, and again, that's all I really know. And I realize that now I don't even have to think about it. That's just ingrained in me now from growing up on the farm where everything I do, it's just, I don't think about being great. I don't think about making money. I just think about, I've got to show up every day and do my job. So every day I get up at three 30 in the morning <clears throat> And the, the bed gets made perfect every day. There's a great okay. video that probably a lot of people have seen that you know, it's talking about making your bed, this Navy SEAL Admiral. So you're not uh, boozing anymore? No, I, I'll still have my drinks. That's the thing. I, I'll, I I never drink in public. I don't want people to see me out of control ever in public. Obviously, never drink and drive. If I'm at home and, and everything's done, especially in a nice summer night, I'll sit outside and have a couple of cocktails. And You don't eat the glass anymore. <laughs> I make sure it's a steel tumbler. But you have cocktails and then you get up at 3.30, yeah. I guess. Wow, that's You funny. know what? I've just learned my discipline, how, how important for everybody, how important discipline is. Yeah. So I say to myself, so um, I had an old teammate of mine, Jim Thompson, and he tells me the story. He had kind of a rough upbringing. So he grew up in a trailer park in Edmonton, and the number on his trailer was 353. So I was getting outside to do a short motivational video every day, roughly like 350, 355, something like that. So he asked me, he says, Tom, can you – can you do it at 3.53 every morning for me? So every morning at 3.53 on Instagram, that video goes out there no matter what. If, I, if I've if i had one hour of sleep, if I've had 10 beers, whatever it is, it, that, that's going to happen. It has to. As, Holy I, that's, shit. Yeah. That's a fucking commitment. Yeah. Well, you know what it's done? I did it for him initially. So it's 3.53 on Instagram and 3.54 on Facebook, and that's every day. So I, what it's done, though, it's really helped me, too, because I've realized how much you're disciplined. You've got discipline. You, have, you work that one job for five years, didn't you, before you finally got your, oh, yeah. so, I mean, that's a commitment. Like you have to, uh, again, people wonder like, how do you, how do you do things, Tom? Well, it's that discipline lifestyle. So I, three fifty three, fifty four. I leave for the gym at four ten. Uh, I go to the beach for a March. I, so I say, I call it a March instead of a walk because I want to get the most out of each stride. That's, that's the theme for my life. Get the most out of what you're doing. I had a woman contact me uh, on Facebook. She direct messaged me. She said, man, 
she goes she said she's you are living a full and extraordinary life and i'm going yeah yeah. Like if people ask the same as you, right? They'll say, "Well, what do you do for fun?" Well, I get up in the morning. That's I, I love it. There's, so it's it's and it's evolved all the time. Like I'm learning new things. I met a really nice person the other day. Uh, she's very religious. She's into uh, Christianity, and I thought, you know, that's something I haven't really gotten into. You know, I thought, well, let's take a look at it. I don't know where I'm going to go with it, but it's I always want to be learning new things. It's interesting, uh, Tom. I, yeah, I, I cut you off. No, go saying? ahead. Go ahead. No, but I really identify with what you're saying, and there's something that's. I I think I stumbled upon at least there there's part of what you're saying that I really identify with. Um, when you're the trying new things and the and there's something to like like I told you I went vegetarian for a couple of years yeah. almost um, yeah. ate fish pescatarian but you know that took willpower but I wanted to try and see see sure. where I went with it right yeah. Um, yep. I, not that I didn't like it, but I didn't think I was going to do it the rest of my life. I wanted to, now sure. I had to put on a bit of weight for, for Shorzy. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I got myself a trainer and I know if I miss it, I, I don't, like, sometimes I don't want to go, but right. I go 11 o'clock and by the end and uh, lots of days, man, I don't want to do it, but I feel so great. And then on the other days, if I have nothing, I make myself get up at six o'clock and I go for a hike or five in the summer. I just want to see the sun come up while I'm yeah, walking. Yeah, that's cool. And, but there's something to that there because at first I don't want to do it, but eventually then it becomes part of your psyche and part of your yeah. rhythm and part of your heartbeat almost. And if everybody, I, I, I think a lot of people are missing that and yeah. you, you, you kind of stumble upon it, but once you do these yeah. things that, that you do that become part of your regimen that make you better, there's something freeing with the mind about that. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. Yeah. It's not really a question, but yeah, no, it's, know, a great, it's some of that that's mentally freeing. Yeah, you know what it is too. It's like um, so motivation will come and go. Like people say, like how do you stay motivated all the time? Well, you don't. Nobody stays motivated all the time. Right. But, but you can always have your discipline. Like you just said, there's some days where you don't want to get out of bed. Those are the best days to get out of bed because now you've done something that you didn't have to do. Nobody made you do it. You did it for yourself. That's like making the bed in the morning. So the idea is this: Adam, Admiral William McRaven, uh, as a Navy SEAL admiral, was making a speech in front of a graduating class in the University, University of Texas, like ten years ago. So he's up there with the white uniform on and everything. And everybody thinks you know, he's going to talk about, you know, fights and bombs and all this kind of stuff. He talks about the 10 things he learned at the uh, uh, Navy SEAL uh, training, training Academy. And the first thing he talks about is making your bed perfect. And when he says that, he kind of giggles. And everybody else is laughing like, really? Like that's, that's important to you? But then he went in to describe how if you can't do the little things right in life, you're not going to be able to do the big things right in life. And that that's something that you're doing for yourself, just like you're getting out of bed. You're not doing it for anybody else, and you're doing it perfectly. You're not just doing it halfway. That's kind of the way. You, not kind of. That's the way you start your day, and the way you live your life. Get the most wow. out of it. Now, yeah, and it's it, it really it changed my life. Like I watched it the first time, and I said, like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." And then I watched it again. And I, I I missed the meaning of it. And again, it's one, another one of those things that, for me, I like people say, "Like Tom, I, I can't be like you." Okay, we don't be like you. You don't have to be like me. And you don't have to be perfect, but you want to get better every day. In fact, there is no perfect because if your goal is to get better every day, then you're, even if it was a perfect day with day before, which is pretty hard to do, the next day will be better because you're going to make it better. And if you're constantly looking at your life that way, it's, just, it's limitless when things you can do. Especially, I just believe, especially as you're getting older, the people that just retire and sit around and do nothing, like it's a death sentence. Like move, yeah. get out and learn new things. People say it the, like they're looking forward to it. Yeah. Ooh. I'm like, dude, I know. Right. Like, what are you doing? Oh, like, God. Somebody, well, uh, you know, I got 
X amount of years left, and then it's just sitting around. Like, and I'm going, no, what? I know. know. I've had friends of mine. I've had former teammates. That's scary to me. Oh, totally. That's that's it is a death sentence. I'm telling you, you sit around like the old saying is, if you if you don't move it, you'll lose it. You got to move, like in one way or the other. Like again, you don't have to be like you. You don't have to have to be like me. They're just going to be a better version of themselves every day. Yeah, okay. man. Quality of life. I agree. Yeah. Well, look on that on that note. I got a few more rapid fire randoms. I yes. call them. These are just easy one off questions, and we got about another. I'm going to guess ten minutes. Is this all okay. right? Yes, perfect. We can go forever. You and I. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. We can go forever. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Rapid fire randoms with Tom Laidlaw. Tom, you are on death row. You got one meal left. What is it going to be? Oh, turkey dinner. Straight up turkey dinner. What, turkey what, dinner, all the stuff. Here, I make, turkey dinner would come with fries and gravy. What are you going to go with? Uh, we're going potatoes, mashed potatoes, gravy. stuffing. I make, I'll make. i actually make my own thing because I make gravy. I make uh, like all the vegetables on the bottom, so it's Where's my gravy. Yeah, so it's all healthy stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, pause and rapid fire random. So, so you're, you're actually yeah, – what's the difference? Your body, you, you, you must have a strict you, – you, you're very yeah. strict with most yeah. things that you do, with getting up at three, yeah. with fucking working out, with, with, with motivating – so you must have a strict diet or some yes. not strict, but you I know, make, yes, I make pretty much all my foods. So it's a, a pasta. I'll have chickpea pasta. I make my own ketchup, my own hummus. So I know how much sugar and salt. There's so many different ways to not use sugar and salt at all for other seasonings. So I found that I cook my own foods. So I know exactly. I chart my own foods into a, an app, uh, my FitPal app. So I know what my macros are. I know how many calories you're putting in my body. So yeah, my, my diet is pretty nailed down. So I know what, what I'm doing and it's just, I, I've made more healthy, I said, well, I, can't, I want to take care of my body. Your skin is the largest organ on your body. So why not take care of your skin? So there's certain foods you can eat like avocados and sea moss, collagen peptides. And it really helps like people say, I'm 60, almost 65 years old. People go, man, you look like you're in your forties. Yeah. Well, that's, I, 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 that's, you can do that to yourself. It isn't just the, not the good genes or anything like that. You can control all that yeah. stuff fuel that you're putting in right what are you yeah, putting totally. in? the fuel that yeah, you're putting in yeah, yeah. And, the, and you know what that's a good point the fuels that you're putting in your body and the thoughts that you're putting into your mind as well and the people you have around yourself There's so much negativity out there that you don't have to have <clears throat> it just drags you down no that's a great point um yeah. now you're going to be a dj you got no you got no choice here you got to be a dj for five years you just signed a contract which name do you take dj tommy cheese Laid Master Slash, Funky T, or MC Fuck? I like the Laid Master Slash. Laid Master Slash is pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's nice. Um, do you think life is out there on, on somewhere in the universe? Absolutely. 100%. It has to be. It has to be. I agree. Yeah. Uh, okay, you're going on a... We've just developed a, a, a great new rocket ship, spaceship, and it can get to Mars and back. In six months, three months there, three months back. Now you're going to go on this ship. It's going to have all the anemones, all, all that you need. Um, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a journey. You're going to have three people with you on this trip, okay? Mm-hmm. One, other than you, is going to be an ex-teammate and is going to cook the food. Who is that? Got to oh, be a teammate. Got to be food. Yeah. Man. Oh. I'm going to go James Patrick. Okay. Yeah. Dynamite uh, yeah. D-man for the- Fun, uh, fun guy. Yeah. Fun guy. I know he cooks. He's a single man now, so he cooks on his own. Yep. Um, number two, someone, you're going to pick another ex-teammate to go with you, and he's going to play the music. Uh, well, he's an entertaining guy. I've got to go with Glenn Hanley because he got the bagpipes going. Glenn Healy, excuse me. Glenn, Glenn Healy. Healy, yeah. Yes. Glenn Healy and Kelly Rudy, I noticed, were your goalies one year. That's pretty Yes. Pretty- yeah. 
He was this one guy too. He could talk. He's did fun. you know, did you know that both of them would end up being like? Did, did you just see that coming? Voices. Uh, right, yes. Yeah. You know what? Like, it seems like a lot of goaltenders do that. Like John Davidson. I know. Yeah, I don't know what Kevin it is. Links, yes. Brian Boucher. Yeah, yeah. I know. I noticed that too. Martin Biron. That's true. Yeah. Like, and now, now Lundqvist. Yeah. No, they, what, I, don't, I don't know what it is, and have, and some of these players like. Like DJ Smith was my teammate now in Ottawa, and I I didn't really see him as coaching material. I'm not not saying I didn't. He was a good right. teammate, but you know I was like DJ could always articulate. He often did interviews, and he could always talk his way around a situation that might be a bit slippery. So, and Sheldon Keefe's kind of the same. But some guys I played with, I'm like I know they couldn't be a coach because they they, yeah. they they might have a good mind for it, but they could never answer questions in the media. Yeah, I'm not saying they're stupid. I'm yeah. saying they. They maybe couldn't articulate, but for some reason, a lot of these goalies are really good at it. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, they speak well. They get good personalities too. Like they're all like funny guys and tell good yeah. stories. I don't know what it is. I really don't. It's, it's I know. I bet you there's some kind of yeah. There's some scientific right. something there in the brain. Yeah, there's some that, common denominator. Yeah, yeah. yeah it cool. is wild. Uh, your favorite jersey ever in another sport, not hockey. Uh, I hate to say it because of where I live, but the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Well, actually, my favorite athlete was it was not a hockey player growing up. It was it was uh, Randy White. That was my when next I, question. Yeah, okay. All right. Randy, Randy White. Randy White of the Dallas Cowboys, wore number fifty four. They called him the Manster, and I didn't know why I liked him before so much. But again, he he lived his life and played the way I I wanted to, and that's all out all the time. That's what he's famous for. Yeah. And did uh, <laughs> have you been to a lot of NFL games? Uh, no, I watch a lot of them. On, I'm now a, I'm a Giants fan now. When I got to here in New York, I couldn't be a Cowboys fan uh, playing for the Rangers, so I oh, became God, a Giants like fan. You can even say those words. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, your favorite TV show? Oh, favorite TV show of all time or currently? I, I suppose we'll say of all time. Okay, we got to go with Mash. We used to watch Mash religiously when I was in college. Yeah. You know, how underrated is that show? Yeah, I, funny. Nash was out again and reruns were coming on 80s, early 90s. And I was so childlike. I didn't realize. I yeah. started watching that again recently. That is a brilliant show. It is, it is funny. It doesn't right? get the credit. Like, it's co comedy, yeah, yeah but yeah. fuck, yeah. man. Like, I... <laughs> I remember I the, final, the final underrated. show. Yeah, we, the final show was huge, right? We, we were all around the TV and our dorm yeah. rooms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was. Good it show. was, but it kind of fizzled. Like, yeah, I I look back and there's there's these classics, and uh, I think a lot more people now. I don't know what happens with reruns or or things in syndication, but a lot of people are familiar with All in the Family, and they'll refer yeah. to it. I'm like, that yeah. was the same time. I don't mind All in the Family. Archie's funny. At times, but I'm like, Mash is brilliant. Fuck, man. I, I would, yeah. If I had to meet writers, I would rather meet the writers of Rat yeah. Mash than anything right. else. Yeah. Great fucking answer. Um, you got to trip across the USA on a train. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can take one person, one of these you have to pick Denzel Washington, Johnny Depp, Leo DiCaprio. Or Patrick Mahomes? Oh, I was going to go with Denzel until you got to Mahomes. Although, no, I don't know if I, all the way across with that voice of his, I don't know if I could put up with that. I got to go with Denzel. Love him. I think he's a fantastic. I see him speak about other things in the community. He's a fantastic person. Love him as an actor. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I've only known one person. I asked Ethan Hawk. I went out, I took Ethan Hawk out to a bar one night. Right. And uh, I, I was, I didn't even, well, 
it was it was right before I did my podcast, but it's not like I know him all to pieces. Right. I didn't ask for his number or anything. We did this movie together. I was working in crew, but I had to ask him. I had a few drinks. I'm like, you know, I don't know anybody that's met Denzel, and he's I'm not gonna say a hero, but I really think he's one of the best actors ever. Sure. Yeah. And he just took a swig of his drink and he said, Fucking awesome guy. Oh, nice. That's, that's cool. Great. Good yeah. to hear because some aren't, yeah. right? Yeah. <clears throat> and he really gets into the community. I hear him talk a lot about race and all that kind of stuff. And now he, talk, he talks about, so yeah, race is an issue, he said, but it's more important to have the father in the home. Like he, he grew up in a tough area, not far from here, and he had his father in his home. And he said that really saved his life. So yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to talk the year off that guy. Yeah. Um, and you're right. I think I'd pick him too. I'm most fascinated with Mahomes of all those guys yeah. right now. I can't yeah. believe he's doing what he's doing, and it's so yeah. interesting that oh, we get to see this live. Like you yeah. know, I I love that all these fantastic, like possibly greatest ever in that conversation are yeah. in and around uh, what we're seeing right now. Yep. Yep. Um, not to disrespect Tom Brady, I'm just saying I'm really Mahomes yep. is, has got what it takes. Have you yep. ever used a one piece? I don't know if you still skate even. Uh, oh, the uh, those Cooper also. Those, those yeah, things. because when you with the one piece yeah. stick, when you played, it was all oh. wood, and then oh. since 2000, 2002, everybody started using the one piece. Right. I'm wondering. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so the stick. So I still have a wooden stick. So when I go to hockey clinics and stuff, I use a wooden stick. Still, the kids are like, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> well, because yeah. you never would have. Yeah. If yeah, you don't so, use a one piece in pro, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of why you know I, I could see how you wouldn't even yeah. get into it. Yeah. It was funny with me too. Like all the guys would like tape their sticks a certain way. You don't want to tape it after every period. I go on a road trip for two weeks and bring six sticks. Like, I said, like it was almost like I didn't want to be. Per I wanted to be like that dirty mutt dog, like the the, the sheep dog out there. You know, just good. Throw me some, throw me some bones once in a while. Hey, That's played, it played into your character. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was good. I loved it. Um, you you get a time machine. You can go anywhere. Now it doesn't have to be in the past either. You can go wow. anywhere you want. And let's just say no butterfly effect. You're not going to affect time. It's not going to be back to the future. You're not going to, you know, run into your parents and you're going to affect the weight. You can just go anywhere and see it fascinatingly as wow. a bystander. You're not going to. I, I would love to go back and be a cowboy back like in the like. The I early, noticed you like, in a promo pic with a cowboy hat on. Yeah. Where does that come from? It's not like you lived in yeah. Western Canada or Southern. I, I, I'm a huge John Wayne fan. Lots of uh, all his movies, you know. Yeah, I just, I guess I, I, I like that mentality. It's, it's in my life too, where I don't want to be like having all the pretty things and everything. I don't want to all be sleeping in bed all the time. I want to be outside working. Um, you admire I, the life. Yeah, I do. I, I grew I, up I, like that in a way. Yeah, I, I admire like, my father, and grandfather. They were basically cowboys too. Like my my grandfather in particular, he went to buy a used truck one time. And he opened up the hood and there's dust in the engine. He wouldn't buy the truck because when he got, when he would clean the engine, when he cleaned his truck, he would clean the engine. So I just grew up with that mentality about like, listen, we'll do it ourselves. Like we don't have to have somebody else do it. We'd have to buy something new all the time just because it's dirty. Just clean it and fix it. And just, uh, that's what I view with the cowboy kind of mentality. You're out there on your own and you got to get it done. I, I loved it. When I was out in Survivor, I was slept in the dirt. I had my option of sleeping in a bamboo bed. I said, no, I'm sleeping in the dirt. It was a blast. Loved it. Nice. Yeah. yeah, you seem like that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, speaking of John Wayne and uh, Cowboys, I don't know if you like Clint Eastwood, but a few, few days ago, it had been a while. I watched Fistful of Dollars, a few dollars more, and then the next day threw on Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh, cool. Some of my favorites. Although I do, Searchers is my favorite. Oh, and maybe True classic. Grit. Maybe oh. the I love the, the recent True Grit, but the original True Grit yeah. with John Wayne, yeah. those are my two favorites. Searchers. 
Searches yeah. is a classic movie. That's classic, that's actually, yeah. you know what? That's uh, the, the last one I heard of, dude. I was at Walmart and they were selling it on DVD for two ninety nine, oh, and I was right? like, you know, I got a DVD player, and I right. searched down and I couldn't. It, it wasn't. I would have had to buy it on YouTube, and I said, oh. "Fuck it, I'm going to use my DVD player." There and I go. watched it. This was only maybe a year and a half ago, man. Cool. Whoa, what a movie! Oh, unbelievable. Uh, how about he says a couple of times where somebody questions him, and John Wayne goes, "That'll be the day." Yeah. And it's just, oh, I love that line. There's another great movie, The Cowboys. He did too. I did he, notice that that that'll be the day because yeah. Like, oh, and the way he says it too is like that kind of arrogant, almost like yeah, like mentioning like saying he's going to quit or something like that. And he goes, "That'll be the day." Yeah. Oh. I just love that. And they, he, there's another one, that the Cowboys. He actually had to go. There's no men to help him move the cattle from his farm to uh, to the slaughterhouse. So he had to actually use kids from school. Um, so at one scene there, uh, this bad guy, I think it's Bruce Dern, comes in. He's trying to steal the horses. So he's, mm. he's you know, got the, he's trying to scare the kids and everything. He's picking on this one kid. And John Wayne goes, all right, we've seen how you are with little boys. Let's see how you are when they come a little bit bigger. And, oh, <laughs> God, he says that line. Oh, man. That's what I love about, not to compare, because they're the two, arguably the biggest iconic Western figures, Clint Eastwood and yeah. John Wayne. But what I love about both of them is that most of their movies that they're playing that character, yeah. they're men of little words. They don't yeah. have to explain themselves much. Totally. One sentence can do it. You're oh. like, oh, and that's it. That was it right there, oh, right? Oh, God. I'm really good. It's funny. I go back and watch... Uh, they're my favorite older movies to watch, the Westerns. Um, the Wild Bunch I got on cue. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to come yeah. tonight or tomorrow. It's my dad's favorite movie. Cool. And I've seen it, but it's it's been a while. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Uh, is there any celebrity out there that you haven't met that you'd like to? Wow. Uh, you know, after being around the celebrity sometimes, like I don't look at them and think, okay, that's really who that person is. You know, like sure. they, yeah. again, New York, LA. I mean, yeah. look God, that's a great not one. like I, you haven't come across a lot. I mean, Goldie Hawn is literally next to you when you're taking your job strap off. I mean, at some point you become a little bit numb to it, right? Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's there's gotta be somebody. You know, there's a guy like um who's the swimmer that uh, got himself in trouble? Um he's doing a lot of motivational stuff right now. You know another one? Tim Tebow. You know, not that big of a celebrity, but I really admire him. I don't know if I believe in all his, the religion he believes in, but I admire him for the stance he took. Like, and he didn't make a big scene about it. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. So that, I, I really admire those kinds of people that say, listen, I, it's really important who I am and how I carry myself. And, you know, again, again, he stepped out of his comfort zone. And yep. what was it? He was, he, he changed positions a few years ago and he went yep. for it. He got cut. Yep. But he went for it. He didn't have to put himself out there like that. I'm with you. Like, I'm not religious. I'm not an atheist yep. either, though. I'm yep. just, like Bill Maher says, I'm from the church of, I, I don't know. I, I don't yeah. really know. I'd, I'd like to think, have faith that something good happens to our sure. energy. Yep. I'm not ruling out all of the above. I just really don't know. Yeah. Tim Tebow has is, is got a religious, yep. he's pretty staunch, whatever yep. it is that he believes in. Yep. Fair. A lot of people, I mean, who cares, really? Yeah, who cares? It's, it's like just sex thing. Exactly. Why do I care who you have sex with? I always find that so stupid. I that, know. You know, gay rights. Of course, gay rights. Who gives a shit? I know. Right? Well, why, yeah, really, why do people care about who somebody sleeps with, for God's sake? I don't sake. know. Like, I, why does that matter to anybody? What the yeah. fight's the most personal thing there is? Yeah. I could go over and screw the wall for all you care. What's the difference? <laughs> right? Same thing with, like. Be the best sex that wall ever had. With the religion, yeah, like even, yeah, yeah, there you go. But someone the other day wouldn't, I, I said, well, I can't wait for Mission Impossible 6 or whatever. 
like, I'm not going to that with Scientology. I go, what the fuck does no, that have I to do with it? I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I really don't know. I, I'm sure I'm not a Scientologist. I don't agree with that religion. Right. Tom fucking Cruz happens to be. But right. if I start picking what I like based on everybody's beliefs that I'm following, boy, right. I'm not going to be very fucking well-read or well-versed in life. I know. You, you get get you're thinking about uh, sex. Uh, so Ron Gressner on the show we did one time, he says, do you know what hallway sex is? Do you know what hallway sex is? Me? Yeah. What hallway sex is? Yeah, yeah. What it sounds like, hallway down by the Coke machine. No, you're walking down the hallway and your wife's going one way and you're going the other. Both look at each other and say, fuck you. <laughs> well, we've all been there. Are you married, by the way? I'm divorced you're... twice. Divorced twice. I'm, yeah. I'm divorced twice as well. Yeah. You have to be. You're a hockey player. If you don't get divorced at least once, there's something wrong with it. I think. I, yeah. I wonder what the stats are. We said oh. that. We, I, I don't know if we ever came up with one, but first, first divorces in hockey. You know, uh, or just divorces in hockey. Right. What is first right. matter? Oh, um, if you had one superpower, what would you, would you pick? Uh, you know what? I have a dream all the time that I can fly, and, and it's have, a recurring, yeah, the recurring dream. I don't know how I'm doing it. I'm flying. I, I never ends. I never land. I'm just constantly. So I'm you're not, not like in third person looking at yourself fly. Your eyes, like your yeah. your POV, your 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 camera one flying around yeah. the eye. Absolutely. Yeah. So flying would be it. That's what I'd love to do. Interesting. Uh, what goes on a perfect pizza? Well, for me, it's all healthy. So it's uh, I would put chicken and uh, chicken, tomatoes, and onion. Interesting. What kind of cheese? We go mozzarella cheese. It's yeah, of all the cheeses, it's it's got the least amount of salt. I think it is so mozzarella. Yeah, I know. I noticed that too. I fucking love cheese, and now I I know got to start calorie counting and at least cholesterol counting. Yeah. It's not good at all. Of the but that's, that's one of those things. If the rest of your diet is pretty clean and that's the one thing you want, it's not, it's a good source of protein. You can get it. Like right. a eggs low, too, right? I, I, yeah. I cheat a little. I love eggs. So yeah. when I say cheat, I'm just eating now yeah. for cholesterol. I have yeah. high cholesterol and uh, I got to make some changes as all, or yeah. that, that happened a while ago. Anyway, um, you, here you go. You got to change your name. You can you can live to be 120. You can make this deal right now. Let's just say we just talk religious. You find out that there is a God, and he's a Rangers fan. And yeah. he comes down into your place in Connecticut, wherever you are, and says, Hey, Tommy, I'm gonna you can live till you're 120. Fairly healthy too, like you are now. I'm not talking old and decrepit. Okay. You're gonna live till right then. This is a deal I'm gonna make with you. All you gotta do is change your name to Tommy Fingers and attach two fingers of your choice to your head. <laughs> do you do it? You know no. what? Living to 120, I have no appeal for that. It doesn't do anything for me. I, I want to live. I know you're saying I would still live healthy, but I want to live all out from this day until okay. whatever day I die. So. That's a great answer. Um, every time you get on an elevator for the rest of your life, escalator, sorry, escalator. So you're going up escalators. It doesn't happen a lot. Sometimes you go three months without getting on an escalator, but sometimes you're on four in a week. Right. Every time you're on one, a song has to play. Which song would that be? Oh... I got a country song that I just love, Heart Like a Truck. Okay. I got a heart like a truck. Heart like a song. truck. Yeah, I, I okay. love that song. Yeah. Fear, that's a good answer, as good as answer as any. How much coffee do you drink? None. I drink uh, an amino energy drink that's got uh, green tea caffeine in it, so you get all, a lot of amino acids. Amino, amino acids are really healthy for you, just your overall health, so no coffee. I have coffee every morning. Yep. Just caused at this yeah. point. Uh, does green tea, does it have the, is it, ca I don't it's, even know what I'm, if I'm addicted or what I'm addicted to. Some mornings I don't yeah. have it, but yeah. I do feel better when I have it. It must be wakey, wakey. Sure. So is green tea good for that? 
Uh, green tea caffeine, they say, is somewhat cleaner, but coffee's not bad for you. I mean, it's you know, it's it's not really harmful. It, 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 again, this drink that I have, it's an amino acid. So amino acids are really healthy. Sometimes it's called branch chain amino acids, BCAAs, but I just get amino acids all all of them. Uh, it just really your body creates amino acids, and so now you're just replenishing all those amino acids. And again, it's got that green tea caffeine. So I, I take that before I go to the gym. Um, I'm I'm usually fasting too. I usually stop eating like at eight o'clock at night, and then don't eat again until noon. I do kind of cheat a little bit with this amino energy drink. It's about uh, 75, 80 calories, so it somewhat breaks up the fast a little bit, but still get a lot of the effects from it. So yeah, I hear uh, I do I do the same once I read a little bit about intermittent yeah. fasting. Yeah. Uh, how many fish burgers have you ever eaten? Oh, God. Well, before I got into the healthy lifestyle and my boys were small, we bought a motorhome and we were going all over the place. And we stopped at McDonald's to get the filet of fish. Uh, you did. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Are the, I you love, love fish them? burgers. Oh. I'm the only person that I know of that goes to McDonald's and gets a filet of fish. Oh. Oh. And again, oh. a lot less now than before. But yeah. one, if I, I haven't had a Big Mac in years, if I cheat at all, it's a fucking double filet of fish. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. obviously, I'm living in a place that right. a fish burger is at every second restaurant. So I do love them. Most people are it's zero. You know, um, here's the other food for me that's a that's a danger for me is uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. So I would get the thing like every three months, I would get the urge to go get chicken, and I wouldn't buy just a three pack. I'd go buy the twenty piece barrel, the fucking and I, barrel, oh, and I'd eat for a week. I'd eat that chicken, and I'd feel awful when I was done. And then I, I never do it now, but I did that for a while there. But that was my my pattern. So good. See, that's oh. the thing. When I was I, I knew how to how to keep my body at um, when I now I'm 215 because I've been you know for six months but okay. normally for the last 20 years 190 to 195 I know exactly how to do it. but it often I I, I could because if I if I ate carbs at night you know right. like they say yeah. sure. so I'd often go and have like fucking 12 chicken strips oh. I would go get that bucket but I'd figure out how to do it and not put on weight so right. I was like keeping cool. my weight down with little carbs. Right. But I was the cholesterol was just fucking oh, yeah. awful, yeah. right? Like, totally. I was doing that all the time. But you live and you learn. Okay, yes, now you, you are going much survivor. Like you're going back to Fiji, but this time you have to stay for three months. Uh, there's nobody else with you. You've got a TV. You you can watch, say, your regular cable that you have here from your house right. in Connecticut, wherever it is. Right. Um. But you get three albums, first of all. Just three. Doesn't even have to be your favorite band. I mean, maybe I love the Beatles, but I wouldn't pick three big Beatles albums. Right. Maybe uh, maybe I'd pick greatest hits for, for package. Maybe I'd want a double album for length. What would you pick as your three albums? So one would have to be a George Strait album. Love okay. him. Tons of great songs. Uh, Amarillo by Morning uh, from San Antonio. Um, great. Great song, one of my favorite oh, country yeah. songs. Oh, I know. Um, who else? You know, I've really okay. I don't know if this would be an album or not. I really got into the motivational speaking world where they put a lot of the speeches yeah. together with music. So I, I would I, I listen to that all day long. I try not to even watch TV. I may say this: I don't want a TV. Fair. Yeah. yeah, I think it's so much more healthy. Uh, so I'll put on these motivational videos. And so, like I said before, you're putting healthy things into your body because you want to be healthy. It's the same thing with your mind. So if you're constantly putting in motivational thoughts, positive thoughts all the time, all good stuff, uh, showing you how to fight through things, how to work, how to have discipline, I just find, man, it's like you're, it's like you're exercising your brain. So I do that. I uh, I like those too. I do. And you know what I've indirectly become addicted to when it's 
as far as podcasts. And I, I was podcasts, a lot of the hockey stuff to keep up to date, whatever, and some sports. Um, history, I like Dan Carl, Carlin's Hardcore History. And he mentioned something on there about philosophy. So I went back, and there's a podcast, Philosophize This, okay? Uh-huh. And it goes back right to Plato, Aristotle, Socrates. Um, I guess that would have been a 1,000 or 2,000 years before Christ, before we... Sure, yeah. yep. I, I, yeah, <clears throat> so... And that was like the first universities and the philosophers. And if you and it, and it takes you through. So he'll do 40 minutes to an hour on each major philosopher right up until now, right? Oh. And, and he's maybe including Stephen Hawking and some thinkers of today. There's not right. as many like philosophers straight up as there was, yep. you know, up a, yeah, you know, right, Karl Marx, these, these thinkers that might go one way or the other, uh, mm-hmm. but they'll take you through. And what happens is that when you're, listening to a guy like Rene Descartes, I think he was alive in 1100, 1200, but they had to navigate around things too. It's part of their philosophy is kind of like motivational speaking at sure. the time. Yes. They're looking for reasons, right? And, and why are we here? And what, what are, what's our purpose? And so indirectly, I'm telling you, I, I, I've fallen upon something because I like those kind of mental discoveries and motivational yeah. speaking yep. and podcasts, but do yourself a favor, look into this, Yep. And you will be amazed at cool. even some of the things that Genghis Khan, like how how he went about doing what he does. I mean, right. you can relate it into something today, sure. and it's not that outlandish. Yeah, very cool. I like that um, stuff. Now you got same trip. You got two books. What would the two books be? Oh, wow. Well, honestly, like I, I, I've never. It's awful. I've never read it. The Bible. I, I want to learn. Okay. So that'd be one. I went to Catholic school. We had to read. I dissected it for fuck's sakes. Did you really? But it is an interesting book. And whether you're into religion or not, are you? I would. I I would. The Old Testament's just a bunch of you know. In my mind, you know Noah's Ark and stuff. I I just don't. I'm not Adam and Eve. I go evolution over that. But but the Second Testament, the New Testament. A lot of that is. You know, depending on your opinion on the first thing, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Adam and Eve did happen. Maybe Noah's Ark. I just don't believe two and every, you know, without getting right into it, two of every species on earth got onto a ship. And sure. But the second, even if you're not Christian, if you're not Catholic, if you're not, even if you're not Christian, yeah, the second Testament is a lot of historical, like Jesus was, a, whether you believe in Christianity or not, Jesus was a person. Pontius right. Pilate was a person. There's a story there. And, there's a lot of great teachings. I would, yeah. I wouldn't, you know. See, that's the thing. Like, I, clo- I had closed my mind before to that kind of stuff. So, and I'm, I want to learn now. Learn about everything. And it's just, well, I, yeah, motivational yeah. speaking. That is the Bible. Oh, totally. Yeah, right. A lot of positive messages. That again, I don't. I, I see it as a document. That's a very yeah. interesting document. Sure. Everybody's yeah. different. Maybe I'm wrong, mm-hmm. um, but I don't. I'm not opposed to the Bible. My mom's really religious, and. I guess it's selective. Everything that she uses from her knowledge of Christianity has only been a fucking positive thing in my life. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think people like that are religious. The good ones, I think, the good ones are they don't really judge anybody else. They say, you, yeah. You have you have your own relationship with God. My relationship, my God, is my relationship, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now that to me is the bare bones of being a Christian. Yeah. Totally. But a lot of people who claim to be Christian and then but. We're going to exclude you, you, and you yeah. from our church because you think this way. And, and we, well, then you're not really being inclusive then. Right. So Absolutely. that's my mm-hmm. problem with it is that, but true Christianity to me 
is is being a good I don't need the commandments. You know what me yeah. and my daughter say? Do unto others as you want done yeah, unto you. 100%. Yep. Number one. And like the Beatles said, number two, all you need is love. And if you live on those things, yeah. it's going to be, you know, well, maybe you, that's I, my religion. I know you know this too, but I have learned, and I know you, again, I know you know this. Uh, the more good things you do for other people, even you're not looking to get something back in return, but that's what's going to happen. You're going to get more back in return. Totally, man. Yeah. Totally. The pay no it forward, positive no. karma. That's why, speaking, I'm not ruling out. The more I find out, I just went out and uh, trust me, I'm always searching for new things too and philosophies. And um, I just got that Bud Buddhism for Dummies oh, book, cool. the chapters. Nice. Really interesting. Everything's yeah. connected and, you know, which of all of everything that I've looked into as far as religion, I'm really intrigued by it. It's almost a logical, positive sharing of the world together kind of yeah. thing. And when I say together, I mean plants, animals, all right. Like all that stuff like meditation and the hypnotism and all that. I, I, I was doing a show with this really nice woman and she's a hi licensed hypnotist. And I thought, you know, you're going to dangle the watch in front of my face, but she laughs. She's heard before, but no, like it's, it's the ability to get to your subconscious mind. So your subconscious mind is, cho is uh, shaped all those years up to seven or eight years old. And then it's kind of locked down. It was a guard on it. And now you, if you get to uh, go into hypnotism, then now you can take that guard down and you can change a lot of the things like the positive things or negative things about yourself that happened to you when you're a kid. A lot of kids, like I found out about myself where uh, I had fantastic parents and they both passed away now and I'm not trying to criticize them. My mother had her own mental health issues and uh, there are some key times in my life where they, they basically abandoned me. Like not with, there's nobody around, but we're, they were not there for me as parents at times. Like when I had an uncle that died in a motorcycle crash and I've had, uh, you know, I've been divorced twice, issues with uh, relationships and always blaming everybody else. And I finally looked in the mirror and said, well, geez, Tom, maybe a little bit about you, like, you know, figure out your problems too. So, um, Interesting. Interesting. yeah, it's cool stuff. Like it's really, I've really looked back at my relationships now and uh, just, I would always just, if, some, if somebody looked like they were going to leave, I would just bolt the other way. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to give you a chance to hurt me. Um, or, I pick, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, or I get in the relationships with bad people. Well, not bad people, but like I, I would overlook red flags and thinking this is not, it's not going to last anyway. So who cares? So I yeah. feel I'm such a like I love being social and and sharing and not much for the like I'd rather meet people at events than answer right. direct messages on on Instagram. Sure. Um, I like the personal touch. So I'm not saying I'm not. I don't love social situations thrive on them in certain situations. I mean, given the, what we did and everything, and I guess that's part of it and performing and whether, you know, acting is acting, but yeah. when you're out skating around in the NHL in front of 20,000 people, you're performing to some degree. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, geez, what was I talking about? We were talking about relationships. Or oh yeah. I, so I, I, I mean, being social is second nature, but when I yeah. get home and, Every relationship, I mean, I've been divorced twice, but I've had girlfriends. I mean, there obviously there's some good people there. Yep. I just, I love, when I live with somebody, that's when the problems start. And I, I don't mean yeah. problem is that like, yeah. fuck you, bitch, or it's just like, I like yeah. my own time. Like when, when I, I look, I want to work out when I want to, I, I want to put a gym in my living room. I want to yeah. play yeah. a video game right now. I want to listen. I don't know if it's being selfish. Maybe if I found someone that, but I'm not looking. I love the personal journey, and I like the girls that I date and I come across. But I think I'd be a hard person to be with because yeah. I love my personal time so much. Yeah. Well, and you've kind of been, you know, because you're divorced and you have have been alone for a long periods of time, so you do get stuck in that 
Yeah. No, I was going to say, right. It's not a rut. It's that's your lifestyle. And I'm the same way. I got, I'm with you. I, I love being out and talking to people. Uh, if I meet a woman, I just, I think she's great. I can't wait to be with her. But yeah, then like it's, it'd be, I think it's uh, talking to people. It's that ability to say to them, listen, I love you and I love being with you, but I need some downtime. So don't get mad at me. I don't think something else is going on, but I'm just going to go home and be by myself right now. Which yeah, doesn't fly all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I know. If you could find that right person, it's got to be a two-way street, too, where you can have that conversation. But I'm yeah. with you. I, I just, you know, I I get to the point, but I'll be honest with you, I get to the point sometimes where I doubt myself, too, like in my decision-making. Um, like, I, should I, is this person the right person for me? Like, I feel like I, I, I've had such a bad track record. Like, I, I can't, it's, I'm so conf, confident the rest of my life where, like, yeah. I make a decision, I make a decision. I know, it. but when yeah. it comes to that, yeah. I know I'm with you, buddy. Yeah. But uh, who knows? I'm in. Uh, you you seem to be in a happy place. You're motiv- You're 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 giving motivational speeches. Ha- hell, half of this interview has been. I'm going <laughs> to borrow a lot of what you said, starting with march instead of walk. I'm yeah. going to borrow that. I do some motivational speaking too. If sure. you don't mind, I will credit yeah, you. Absolutely. No, that's about you. You don't want. Yeah, I just found you know like the ability to make a difference in somebody else's life. Like I went to an event uh, probably three years ago. We we're down in the city in Manhattan, the Ranger event. And this elderly gentleman came up and started hugging me. And I said, okay, didn't know him at all. He says, Tom, you saved my life. He said, I had to lose 70 pounds. Doctor told me I was not going to make it if I didn't lose 70 pounds and I couldn't do it until I started following you online. So I, once that happened and I saw the difference I was making in people's lives, I, I started taking it instead of it being like a nine to five job, it's my life. It's, you know, I, I get phone calls at three in the morning. Sometimes where I've got a veteran up, I won't say where it is, but uh, upstate and he, uh, he's suicidal. So he's calling me sometimes at three in the morning, want me to you know, just be there for them, you know, so when those kinds of things happen, you realize that you've got a responsibility, you've got a responsibility, you're, you're, you're a public figure, people look up to you, people admire you. And I think the difference is, and I know you're the same way, you take it seriously, and you understand that importance to other people, and you act on that, and you act properly. Some people don't. And I, and I feel bad for them, because they, I, again, I realize that the difference we can make in people's lives. by Yeah, by doing and at one point, we were all shades of that person we're talking yeah, to, totally. right? Yeah, we all yeah. got it in us. We're all human. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, last, uh, no, great points. Last question now, and then I'll let you go. Rapid yeah. fire randoms has gone on almost as much as part one. <laughs> uh, your all time team now on this team. So I'm going to play you with all guys. I'm going to pick. You're going to pick five players and a goalie. Hypothetically, these guys are all in their prime. Except right. you can't take anybody. It can't be how. Or Lemieux, or Gretzky, or any Montreal Canadiens. Oh, okay. So we're picking. Not really picking a team. I guess you are. I'm just saying. So like, in this five. world, you're picking your best possible five and a goalie to play against my possible best five. It can't be anybody that played for Montreal. No. I was going to pick Larry Robinson too, but um, no. He's okay. So, uh, you know, Nick Lidstrom will be one defenseman. Beauty answer. I go with the Scott Stevens because of the physical. Beauty answer. Thing. Oh man, who did I? Brad Trotsky will take a center. Fucking rights, yeah. The fucking a uh, this. All the other questions, no, uh, or some of them, but this question I ask everybody, and Trotsky doesn't fucking come up enough. Really, what Ooh, a I, goddamn player, two way, too. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I played against him, man. I, he was. I totally admired him. Oh man, totally, yeah, he, man. Do it all. Do it all. Do it all. I mean, again, yeah. another guy getting lost in time, right? Totally, yeah. You know, this one might be off the board a little bit. I played with him in L.A., uh, Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor. Yeah. Nice bag, yeah. Hard to play against. Great leader, score goals. Uh, I was going to go Mike Bossy, and I, I probably people are going to say, well, Bossy's way better than Taylor. But, man, if I want to win, 
Hard to play against as a yeah, thing, man. Yeah. So left winger then. Um, oh, man. And it can be any forward. It wouldn't have to be Luke oh, Robitaille because okay. he plays left wing. Yeah. You can mix and match here. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, then I'll go with – got to go with Messier. Nice. Messier's in that group. Yeah. Again, goalie. Oh, man. Who did I like as a goalie the best? Hmm. Uh, I got to be Marty Brodeur. Marty Broder. Yeah. Win, just a winner. I, I got to know him a little bit too. Great personality. Like uh, Not like a lot of goalies that and you couldn't talk to a lot of times. He was a great team guy. And again, not that other goalies aren't great team guys, but he was like he was over the top in that, that regard too. So Marty Broder. Those are fantastic answers. Tom Laidlaw, it's been a blast. Hope to get you back again. Listen, do you have anything to promote uh, on your way out or anything to say? We've got our uh, uh, book coming out, True Grit Life. Hopefully that'll be out. You can get that on Amazon. We're going to self-publish. Full change is the thing I'm excited about right now. It's a podcast that we had you on. We've done about 40 episodes so far. Uh, it's always about how, how you, when you're growing up, playing in the NHL, and then what you've done after the game. Of the 40 episodes we've done, we've had four guys that tried to commit suicide, uh, drugs and alcohol, uh, mental health issues. So it's been uh, really, it isn't just about the hockey. It's about the person and the stuff that they've been through before and after. And of those four guys, they're all doing fantastic things for other people now. So full change is a big thing. True Grit Life, uh, the book coming out. Uh, and just, you know, I just, I'm, I got to tell you, I, I'm really proud of you, uh, like what you've done with your life. I know that you could look at the hockey and say, well, that didn't work out the way you wanted it to, but you didn't just sit around and think, okay, well, then that's, that's my life. Uh, you, you really did something special and unique and really proud to be on here with you. So good job. Thanks a lot, Tom. Honestly, it's uh, your friendship is is a gift, and uh, it's it's been a long time now. And I hope our paths cross again yeah. soon. Let's make sure. In person. Yeah. Let's make sure our paths cross again. I'm very happy you're in my life. Excellent. Let's Good do time. it again. I am right. too, and uh, I appreciate everything uh, that you've done uh, for me in the past. You really were. Uh, you were easier to talk to than Mike, if you can believe it. <laughs> I don't mean that against Mike. He had a lot on the go. Yeah. He had a lot on the go, a lot of great players. You were in yeah. Tri-City a lot. You yeah. were a nice guy that had played in the NHL that had a lot of success, and I was comfortable to be around, and now we remain friends to this day. We're good. I love it. That's what life's about. Hockey yeah. is just the vehicle. It's this beautiful journey that oh. we're gifted, and Absolutely. you uh, seem to be in a great place. Thank you very much again, right, and we'll brother. talk soon. Great to see you. Good job. See you, buddy. Folks, there you have it. Tom Laidlaw, the man, the mystery, um, one of, uh, I guess, one of my oldest acquaintances in hockey, being that it was 93, 94 season. I was 16 years old, coming into Tri-Cities uh, as a fresh-faced Newfoundlander. And uh, like I said, Mike Barnett was my agent, but Tom had uh, Sheldon Surrey and then Brian Boucher and uh, my dad, of course, having played pro hockey, was uh, very adamant on the fact that Tom Laidlaw was in my life, for for lack of a better way to put it, that I was running, uh, that I, I, I could actually bounce some ideas off him. I'd see him here and there because Tom... I mean, I didn't talk about it enough. I mean, not only was he a, a ranger and a, and an LA King, I mean, he was captain of the Rangers. I mentioned that, but he was a very, very respected player and a good player and well-known player. Uh, so, I mean, he was one of those household names and you, you, you have that much success and playing with that many superstars that happens. But Tom, um, as you can tell is just a, a an all-around good guy that's always trying to better himself. And I didn't see that better himself part when I first met him in the 90s. I didn't see this 
motivational speaker, Tom Laidlaw. I didn't see this regimented, very well-balanced mentally and physically Tom Laidlaw. Uh, I didn't see survivor man Tom Laidlaw. You know, so a lot of things that I've come to know about Tom, we weren't really even in contact. But he phoned me, I guess, a couple of months ago now to be on his podcast. And uh, then I got to know his partner, Tom Smith. And uh, it's a friendship that will only continue to grow. Thank you very much for coming on, Tom Laidlaw. And thanks, folks, for tuning in to episode 146B, Tales with TR. If you're downtown this weekend, I know I will be. I will be down tomorrow for St. Patty's Day, one of my favorite days of the year in St. John's, Newfoundland. And I think there's at least a few thousand people that will be downtown tomorrow, or a few more than that, uh, that will agree with me very early on. I'm going to skate at noon, then I'm going to head down over the hill for some green beer and Irish breakfast. Where will I be going, you ask? I'll be going to Greensleeves, then I'll be going to TJ's, then I'll be going to Rob Roy Confusion, then I'll go to Trinity Pub, of course. And why not stop into Martini Bar and the Bull and Barrel on the way? Why not? And, of course, later in the day when I get another bite to eat, I'll either go to Wedgwood Cafe, Blue on Water, or Merchant Tavern. And, of course... In the morning before all that, I'm going to stop by Rope Walk Lane. I'm going to go into power conditioning, and I'm going to strengthen my body and mind. I'm going to balance my body and mind with power conditioning. Rope Walk Lane, just contact Ryan Power. A bunch of my friends have jumped on board, and no one's complaining. It is the best workout experience I've ever had, and I've had some doozies. I'm not kidding. Pain, Pitbull Pain Relief. PitbullPainRelief.com. Check it out. Pain sticks that don't quit. I absolutely love them and will continue to use them as long as they're being produced. Mr. Lube, two locations here in St. John's, Newfoundland, Torbay Road, Camount Road. Live, laugh, lube. Folks, true hockey, take what's yours. I'll be back in just a few days with 147A. Next week, Leah Hextall. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Tom Laidlaw. I look forward to talking to media, broadcaster, innovator, Leah Hextall in just another week or so. Thanks for tuning in, folks, and I'll catch you all on the rebound real soon.